right. So coming up on Mount Hermeneutics, uh, what did Jesus teach? Um, we're always going on about how everybody's wrong, but us, and uh, we figured we should uh, we should justify it. So uh, that's what we're going to do tonight. You're listening to Mount Hermeneutics, where three Marines give their perspective on God, faith, and spirituality with a heavy lean on the Divine Council worldview. This is not your grandma's Sunday school, nor is it always for the Christian faint of heart. Nothing about who we are or what we say make us experts. But you better believe we'll have a take, and perhaps it won't suck. You know, if God is all-loving and all-powerful, then why is there evil? If he's all-loving, then he wants to get rid of all evil, but he can't. Or that, that means all... get rid of us. <laughs> so... Oh, let me finish, man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we talked for like two hours just now. Stop but, uh... it. <laughs> Stop. You do not continue down this path. I'm gonna start we can putting, go there. I'm gonna start putting time lapse counters at right. every episode. Now <laughs> I I don't I value what you have to say. Right. Not the point. Just not just not as much as what I have to say. That's all. There it is. There it is. Okay. So so what's happening, everybody? I'm uh you can get at me at Instagram, Super Dre, uh, the week that was. I don't even I don't even know what I did this well. I flew back from Oklahoma. I'm back in sunny Southern California. Looks like the uh, the sun did come back out. No more, no more rain. Um, my my car has been crashed, so that's always cool. Matt got that phone call when we <laughs> tried taking me to the airport. Um, and uh, anything else fun? Yeah, no, nothing, nothing more fun. All right. Well, I didn't, uh, I didn't crash anything other than my, you know. Surprisingly, given how action-packed and excitement-filled my life is, but uh, no crashes this week. That's, that's good. I'm glad. Glad you had no. Crashes. I'm at the thirdhelix.com. Right on. Nice. So Messed see, I, I I I don't think I did much this last week. Carrie had another um, action-packed event where she was awarded a, another crown for the Miss Achievement Oklahoma. So uh, shout out to the misachievement organization. Um, they 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 identified her after she had ran for the uh, Miss Veteran America, and so Carrie, they, you know, they reached out and they were like, "Hey, we want to award you this. We want to, want you to have a crowning." Um, so think of something. And Carrie said, "Well, here's what I want to do. I want to have it at the Veterans Home here in Oklahoma, in Norman." And there, she had been there a couple of times, and there's twelve or so women veterans that are living in this veterans home. And we have a 103 year old world war two woman veteran at this home. So Carrie had this idea, which I think was really cool that, you know, she basically, she used the veteran service platform as why she's doing these pageants. And she took her crown and she had a little uh, pitcher backstop set up. And she had each of the women wear the crown and take pictures so they all got to wear the crown and and Carrie had these um frames made up and the pictures can get put in these frames so these old ladies can have them on their in their rooms of them wearing a crown because apparently all little girls turn into older girls and they all want to wear crowns so she did that which is pretty cool um they take that over Mary Johnson <laughs> <laughs> right i used to pillow fight her at night all the time 
Can we cut that? I don't yeah, know. we'll cut that. Yeah. <laughs> what does that What does that mean? <laughs> it's better we just leave it alone. All right. <laughs> that feels like a Craig Ferguson kind of uh, one liner that will just no one will ever know what he means. Um, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> it just means she was old. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. And what do women do in activities somewhere in barracks rooms or or, or squad base? Just obviously. Obviously, they pillow fight. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean. Okay. All right. Well, so, so anyway, that's what that's what we did. Um, you guys catch Harry's me. Always at, so thoughtful. You know, she's definitely more thoughtful than I am. Um, Speaking of not thoughtful, uh, I had my first niece born yesterday. You did. That's right. Yeah. yeah so, oh, what happened this week? Oh, fucking nothing. Yeah, just yeah, added to your family. Just your your, your your only brother's first child. No big deal, right? Yeah, well, well, it's, it's, his, it's his second child, but first daughter. So anyway, oh, so. oh, it's not his first kid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't realize he had no. a kid. Yeah. So, a... so he has a son, obviously. He does have a son. Okay. Right <laughs> so, okay. so not, not my first, uh, oh. you know. Uh, niece or nephew, but it's my very, my first niece. My I bad, Nate. Eve. I didn't know you had another kid. So super. But, but congrats uh, super on this one. Healthy and beautiful, and uh, and congratulations to him. And I, I let him know that because now he has a girl, his whole world is way different. Oh yeah, he can. He we can we can give him all the all the bad news. Yes. <laughs> I think I think uh, his uh, his girlfriend understands already. She's already the second best thing in his life. So you're done. You know, move over. Pretty I much have something else now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, that's awesome. And so and they're uh, they're they're all everybody's doing good. Everyone's doing good. Yeah, yeah. Nice. How is are they near you? Are they like hours away? How far apart are you guys, distance wise? Uh, depending on traffic, hour, hour and a half. Oh, okay, not bad. Yeah, yeah. Up up in the IE. If you're so you're so you're like eight. You're like eight miles apart from each other. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I think forty. <laughs> I think, okay. I think 40 miles 30 as, to 40 miles like probably as 20 the as the crow flies and then yeah, yeah. 30 40 on surface roads and then an hour and a half because southern california yeah for right. sure cool well what so we, we we just added one more subscriber hurry up and make her a, a an account because we need we need the we need the viewership so uh <laughs> we got we got pump these numbers up we got we got rookie numbers right now right i don't, I don't even get coffee anymore because it's for closers it's coffee is for closers so I, you know, huh. oh, bright. What's the line? All right. Fuck I'm, you. Pay I'm gonna me. keep. I'm gonna keep drinking coffee. Okay. Well, you I mean, better you better close. You better start I mean, closing. That's what. I think we should uh, just. I think our numbers are high. <laughs> I think you're high. Well, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna live my life as if that's true. Okay. Very well. And oh, I'm gonna drink coffee. I did something else. I attended oh. a Marine Corps League uh, meeting, so I'd never done that before so that's something i'm trying to check out here locally to get uh, i guess i'm trying to be like carrie and i'm trying to actually get involved um in the local community um so we'll see how that goes um and there were already um political shenanigans so i was enjoying it it got it got spicy and i enjoyed every nice. bit of it yeah did you just smile Pulled we had a commandant be relieved and a new commandant installed um chapter nine official proceedings and i had another marine stand up sitting he was sitting right next to me at the table at the very end he goes i have something i want to ask actually it's not a question it's a statement and he basically just like unloaded on the on the state le leadership that was there and he was like your behavior was piss poor <laughs> and he got the gavel so the new commandant's gaveling him telling him to watch his language and he's like hey look what are you going to do chapter nine me next i don't really care <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I'm sitting, and I, I'm laughing, looking at it, and I turn around, and no one else is smiling. And I was like, <laughs> we, you, you guys are Marines, right? right? Everybody in the room were a bunch of old Marines, yeah. Uh, but they were taking it much more seriously than I was. That's so good. Right? All right. What? So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I have so many questions, but that's that's not what uh, it's not what the podcast it's not what the show's what about. Gonna... We're we're talking Jesus. We are. We're talking we are. Jesus, and what did Jesus really teach? So like, this is yeah. And this but was it's... a requested topic by okay. uh, our Corey, who is a frequent listener, and uh, sent me the question, and that was a good question. It's a good topic to to dig into. So, so, so I, uh, I didn't, I guess I didn't see the question. So what was her question? She's like, you guys do a great job of saying what he didn't say. What did he say? Was that essentially the something question? Something like that. It was, it was, that's what, so what did Jesus teach? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Right. And uh, we're all like, that's bullshit. He didn't say that. Right. <laughs> he didn't say no Phil Flanner and filth. Like, cool. What did he say? Hey, what did he say? What did he teach? I don't Right now you just want me to. He said these things. He said some stuff. So, okay. I mean, what what is so, what is the gospel? As you could probably guess, I'm gonna I'm gonna have some things to say here. Do Nowhere. you guys want to talk first, or do you want me to just go? I mean, I, I'll take a high, I'll take a super high level, uh, with no research, just kind of dive in. And I'm cheating a little bit because in my of course you have read the gospels before. You just didn't we're not recently just not not super recently right. but i have read the sermon on the mount recently so we happen to be in a sermon on the mount uh series at my church at city church so uh city we, church shout out yeah shout yeah, out yeah drake drake, one drake came and checked him out um we we did a we 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 just started a new they're calling it midweek so it's a wednesday night thing we haven't done wednesday nights mm -hmm. in a long time and so we did our first one last week and, uh, uh, my senior, uh, one of the senior pastors called me or texted me and he's like, Hey Matt, I need a favor. You come into, you come into Wednesday night. And I said, yeah, what do you need? And so he called me and he's like, Hey, we're going to do uh, guided discussions at the tables. Will you be a table leader? And I said, I happen to have strong opinion on things. I'd be happy to be a table leader. <laughs> and so, um, it was about the beatitudes but the second guided the question that he had they'd already written a couple of questions out. And the second one was, um, what did Jesus say about the kingdom of heaven? And, you know, what 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 do you think about the kingdom of heaven specifically? So we had another woman at the table who was talking about some of the other stuff. And she took question one and she was like, Matt, do you want to dive in? And I was like, actually, I'd like to cover question two, if that's all right with you. And so uh, I I kind of, you know, basically it was funny that we had just done the episode last week about, you know, going to heaven versus not or whatever. Um, I know it's not last week for us, but last week for what we just posted. So I was trying to be, you know, it timeline with that. It's kind of hard to keep the two timelines. Separate. Which will be, which will be two weeks ago yeah, by, the time, by the time you this see this. Air, right. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of just unloaded a little bit of that. I was like, well, you know, it's not really so much this, it's that blah, blah. And the whole table's just real quiet. Everybody's looking at me, the big eyes. And I'm like, um, so, you know, that's just kind of how it is. And I said, now, nah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to start a fight here. If somebody has really strong opinions the other way, I'm not willing to sit here and get into a screaming match over it. I said, but this is definitely the way I read it. And then the next table, um, when we started talking about what we talked about. So Randy asked me, he's like, so Matt, what did y'all talk about, about the kingdom? And I was like, well, you know, 
lot of people have different opinions about this and that, but Jesus talked about the kingdom and I kind of talked about the great commission and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so the next table goes, well, you know, what we talked about is, is it's not, it's not really about being an angel in heaven. It's about on earth. And I looked at my table and I was like, okay, I'm not the only person here that reads it that way. right? So the people at your table were reading it as they didn't really say they, the, 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 my, my group at the table, they were, they kind of all said that they go, I, I feel a little over, over gunned here. They said, you've, you've given this a lot more thought than I ever have. And I was like, well, okay. So just mm -hmm. trust, trust I mean, me. We, <laughs> we, we do live in a, you know, our, our, our traditions and things that we kind of hold and yeah. what we kind of grew up thinking and everything depicted from every cartoon to, uh, all the way know, from movies. like Bugs Bunny and Looney right. Tunes. It's like, so, they get know, whacked they get, with a mallet. Then the little, they, the little angel starts coming and, out of the body. It, yeah. And it flies away. So th that, those kind of things are kind of encoded and ingrained. They really are. And our, you know, people that are atheists believe that, right? Because, I mean, much of our culture period just kind of comes from biblical stuff and people won't understand why they do or say certain things. I'm like, you, you know, that's from the Bible, right? <laughs> it's like, no, it's not. Like, well, it kind of oh, is. But... So, so actually, quick little anecdote, guys. Um, Carrie was with her mom. Her mom came in for her event, which was last Friday. Saw, saw pictures. Yeah. I was like, oh, and, I know her. And so they were talking and and... Carrie made a comment that she wished she had done some of the stuff that she's been doing because she's really been hot and heavy and all this veteran stuff for about the past year and a half, about two years, two and a half years. Her dad's been gone four, three. Dad's been gone three. And uh, she made a comment to her mom, I wish dad had seen some of this, right? And her mom says, well, you know, he's watching. And so Carrie tells me this and she's like, unfortunately, Matt ruined that for me and he's not. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I always feel like the bad guy when uh, when that comes up. But uh, yeah, my my mom posted something on Facebook about that, and uh, it was it was it was one of those viral, one of those things that used to be like a like a viral email, but now it's it's Facebook, yeah, meme that goes viral. But it was uh, somebody somebody wrote a letter to the editor to, to, to his local paper about what's the value of going to church and and i don't i don't you know i've been to thirty thousand sermons and i don't remember a single one of them and and the there was a comparison to well that's like saying your wife has cooked for you thirty thousand times and you don't remember the full menu of any of any meal and but it's nourished you all this time which i think is kind of a huge assumption but it ended on um describing the bible as basic instructions before leaving earth and before I leaving just, earth got it yeah and i always yeah. just want to pull that hair out of my head when i see that and so i commented i my uh i just posted a a, a a relevant blog article where i actually i led with tackling that basic instructions before leaving earth trope and explain explain why that's wrong and so anyway, there there wasn't much of a response. My mom kind of knows to, you know, she she believes what she believes, and that's uh, what she's happy with. So, which is sad because there that's not what the Bible teaches. So anyway, that's a big downer. So yeah. no, anyway. it, was, it was it's all it's all related. So, but we were getting into Jesus, and and so what I was going to say is that uh, before I got on that that tangent is. I haven't read the the gospels, you know, 
intently for this purpose, but we are actually going through at least the Sermon on the Mount right now in real time at church. So I have had at least the Beatitudes discussion, you know, for a couple of weeks and kind of clear on mm. that part. Um, and it, and, you know, the, I think the one thing that, at least in that discussion that Jesus was talking about that I think is pretty, I, I never really thought about it this way until we talked about it collectively at my church. So I'm not trying to take full credit for the the perspective is the point of, of my preamble, but he's explaining the Beatitudes in a way that isn't so much saying this is the way you're supposed to act as in it's not an instruction manual on how to behave. It's more of a litmus test to see how fully enveloped with the spirit one is, right? Because the behaviors listed in the Beatitudes are not natural behaviors. They're not things that a human just does without being challenged and without uh, some kind of internal, external modification, right? Uh, it's not what we tend to encourage and glorify in, in, in the world. Well, that's also true. But my point is, it's not even something you would do if nobody was looking, right? If <laughs> if you were left to your own devices and you were responsible to no one and accountable to no one, you would definitely not act in any of those ways either, right? So it, it's a, it's kind of an interesting thing in that, you know, I guess when I was younger, I would have assumed that it was instruction manual, right? Like, just go do these things and you're good. Um, but it's more about if you're good, you will just do these things. And maybe that's some kind of a conversation that bleeds into regeneration and, and that type of thing. But uh, that was that was one thing that I thought was interesting with, with, uh, with what Jesus says and does. But I mean, I think that's also a really broad thing to say for us to just tackle is to say, what did Jesus teach? Because he taught a lot of things, but he also kind of only taught one thing. Right. So it's like, yeah. do we do we talk about it in the sense of if you were to synthesize everything down to the finest points, or do we talk about all of the broad things he discussed? Because you could kind of go both directions with it. Well, they all feed into that one thing. And um Right. And, so, I, and I think I think he he starts with that thing right as soon as John the Baptist is like arrested, he like pops out and talks about, hey, I'm here to talk about the kingdom of heaven. I'm here to talk about the kingdom of God. It, you know um, the the word kingdom is kind of kind of pops out to me because I I think like hey what what is a kingdom and what is the, the what is the criteria for a kingdom to exist and you know I and I I kind of boiled it down to there's there's probably four things that make up a kingdom or okay. a or a okay. land right you have you have the king got got to so, have a king otherwise it's right? just it's just a dome like the, right? right right so right. in that king in in this case would would be Jesus Christ you have the territory and the territory in my, in my mind is where a lot of people kind of get it wrong. Like there is it, is it, is it heaven? No, it's, it's earth. Jesus Christ will reign on earth and in, uh, you know, kingdoms have to have laws. So we, we do have laws that are, that are given to us as a, as a guideline to, to be. And those 10 commandments are pretty, pretty much it. And, uh, and then you have the subjects. And the subjects aren't. Isn't it's not hard. It's 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 us. So so you have Jesus reigning on earth with his will, his law, and and we do it. And I and I don't I don't think it, it's it's any any bigger than that. 
and uh, interesting. I, it doesn't even. Really I guess I've never. I've never given that, any right? thought to what it, what it <clears throat> takes to define a kingdom, but I, that's in, I like that. Uh, well, you know, but we, I, I and I think that's uh, that definition is kind of where the hangup is, though. Um, like, well, people will say, uh, well, "My kingdom, his kingdom, is not of this world." Um, therefore, it's in heaven and uh, not because he does say that so a lot, we, doesn't he? he? He creates a juxtaposition between the world and well, and, and the kingdom. He of says God. that he, he actually says that specific thing one time, right? Is it only uh, once? To Pontius, that's to Pontius Pilate, and he's Pontius Pilate is asking him, you know, well, if you're if uh, where's you know, your kingdom, pal? Yeah, where where is this king? And he said, it's not, you know, if it's not of this world, or otherwise, my servants would have. You know fought to to free me um but <clears throat> so what i did was i read the gospels like the, like all four of them over the past few days like specifically paying attention to, to what is you know what did jesus teach um <clears throat> i took notes um matthews has like five cards and the others have like one per one per gospel. Um, it's Matthew, pretty. Matthew, Matthew always stands alone as being more important. I see what you did there. <laughs> it is. It is. Especially more, in this um, group we have right here. I mean, for some I, reason, just, Matthew is the most important to Mount Hermeneutics. I think that's it. I mean, you're, you're, I'm, you're embarrassing There's, me, but I mean, it's there just is, kind of there is no is. gospel you're according like, to Brian or a gospel according to Dre. So right. right. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, Andrew, which is the derivative of Andre, he he did run around and preach some stuff, didn't I? Yeah. Still no gospel okay. though; it's not canonical. Well, then I'm going to rename myself Philip <laughs> Thomas. I'll start calling I you had, Did Didymus. I, I, I identify as Thomas. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Brian. That was an <laughs> unnecessary tangent. I just couldn't help right. myself. I, th yeah. I think it, Matthew's interesting too. Is did we talk about the the, art, the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God? And I and I I really do think that uh, it depends on who you're talking to. So I, I think Matthew was specifically talking to Jews about about the Messiah. Yo, everybody! Spoiler alert: It's me, right? So and uh, and everything else. The other gospels are really for. Or the Gentiles. So if you say the kingdom of heaven, heaven might have a different connotation to a bunch of Greeks who, you know, talked about Zeus and and and, and those gods in that pantheon. But if you say the the kingdom of God, the one true God, they'd have an idea of what that could possibly. That's mean. interesting. So I, so so well, to me, when you have all these scholars talking about you know the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and why he used both and trying to come up with, I think one one definition was well the kingdom of heaven is things that are outer and the kingdom of god is what's inner like what are, what are you talking about like what do you what, yeah that's that's nonsense it's right. it's uh it, the the phrase kingdom of heaven actually appears nowhere else in the bible besides in matthew's gospel um there are parallel passages in the other gospels where like he says the same thing but he says the kingdom of god like in in matthew I noticed this today specifically when after they when they're at Caesarea Philippi and he asked them who do people say the Son of Man is some um, and they say some some say John the Baptist others say Elijah or Jeremiah one of the prophets but what about you who do you say that I am Peter says you are the Messiah the Son of the Living God and then he tells them about you know blessed are you Simon son of John for this is not revealed to you by man but by my Father in heaven and then he tells them about 
that he's going to be crucified. And then there's the whole get behind me Satan thing. And he talks about the cost of following him. And then he, he, he says in Matthew, he says, I tell you the truth. There are some who are standing here who will not taste death before they see the son of man come in his kingdom. In Mark, the same episode, he says, there were some who were standing here who were not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And then in, I'm sorry, that was Mark. And, right. Matthew, and, and that's why I believe it's the same thing, because the same yeah. episodes are saying the same thing, but it's to a different audience. So, yeah. because the kingdom Matthew, of heaven is mentioned in the Old Testament, right? In, in like uh, the, not the that, old prophets. It, not that specific same. phrasing. Um, you don't find that phrase, kingdom of heaven. But the concept, though, and, and I'm going to get into that. But yeah, in Matthew, he says kingdom of heaven. Mark, he says kingdom of God. Um, I'm sorry, I screwed it up. Matthew, he says the son of man coming in his kingdom. And then in Luke and Mark, he says the kingdom of God. Um, but um, sorry, that was a bad example because there's actually no phrasing of kingdom of heaven in any of those. But anyway, there are other there are other parallel passages where in Matthew, it says kingdom of heaven and Mark and Luke, same same event. He says kingdom of God, like the the uh, the sermon on the plain in Luke six, where he he gives a version of the Beatitudes: "Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God." In Matthew, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Um, so yeah, it's absolutely the same thing. Some scholars think that he, that since Matthew is written to a Jewish audience, um, th they already had the convention in place of not saying the name of God aloud. For fear, to, for fear of violating the fourth commandment against misusing the name of the name of God, and so, and you see that in, in a lot of Jewish writings today, they'll say, they'll say Hashem or G uh, uh, dash D instead, so they don't, as a reminder, not to say God aloud. But um, so Matthew's gospel was seemingly written with that convention in mind. Yeah, also, I just I just did a quick search while you were talking about that using the ESV as my translation. Just I picked it at random. The term "kingdom of heaven" is is used thirty one times, and it's all in Matthew. Right, but that's and, and the to the point. Of God of, is used to like the point of one hundred and fifty, right? Right, but my point of that that phrasing of heaven, all in Matthew, all in Matthew, and thirty one times. So it's not inconsequential. But it's not like a one off or a two off kind of thing. It was it was yeah. it was it was intentional, clearly. Um. And Matthew is also, it's arranged according to five distinct discourses, which kind of, which parallels the five books of Moses. Like this is the, like this is the second Torah. And so you can kind of, Matthew, I mean, Mark's gospel, I mean, it's got a lot of the same content, but it's more about, like when you read it with the mind and the same kind of goes for Luke. Luke, Luke is pretty teaching heavy. But it's it it's more about um, well, Jesus doesn't exactly say the kingdom the kingdom of God is here and I'm and I'm the king. He talks about the the kingdom of heaven. Um, he talked he. Well, let me let me back up and you could sum up his entire ministry as um. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, believe the good news, because that, that's what he starts out saying. Um, everything else is kind of expounding upon that, and he talks about. He makes mention of the Son of Man, and we kind of read this with the hindsight of omniscience, 
I mean, with the omniscience of, of hindsight, we know that Jesus is the Messiah. He's called Jesus Christ. But to his audience, like you see, you see him speaking about the Son of Man. And, and when this when this time, when the Son of Man comes comes to rule over his kingdom, but at the same time, like he drives out demons and the demons are are screaming, you know, you are the you are the son of the most high. Um, and he 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 warns them not he silences them because he doesn't want people want him to tell anyone about him. Um he's keeping it a secret that he's the Messiah. He's not, he's not coming right out and saying it. He's, he's kind of giving evidence for it. Um, up until, you know, Caesarea Philippi, when his, when his disciples can confess him as the Messiah, it says he strictly warns them not to tell anyone he's the Messiah. Jesus is not upfront in announcing this until the last week before the crucifixion. when he enters Jerusalem on a donkey on what we call Palm Sunday, even though only John mentions the palm leaves, but there he's entering Jerusalem from the east, riding on a on a donkey, and the, they're all shouting, Hosanna, bless us he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a this is enacting the prophecy of Zechariah 9, where he said, where the prophet says, Look, uh Zion, your your king comes to you gentle, riding on a colt on a foal of a donkey. Um so this was basically him. He couldn't have announced it more or emphatically that he was the Messiah if he had gotten a sign and just kind of wrote in that said, I am the Messiah. Can, um, I, can I can I add one, an argument, a quibble, but not a not necessarily a direct disagreement. So sure. agree with you. I have a new favorite Bible verse just in the last couple of months because this hit me like a ton of bricks. And I think I mentioned it on the show a couple of times, but it's really relevant here. So I don't disagree with you that he did that and that was massive, but his... His direct quoting and allusion to Psalms 22 while on the cross is amazingly powerful to me. Yeah, and I'm not. Yeah, we, you and I have talked about that. Yeah, and so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say it for the show, and I don't want to talk around it, right? So, as Christ is dying, right before his final words, which you know it, it is finished, he cries out, "God, why have you forsaken me?" Aloy, right? aloy lama sabachthani. And I always, as a kid. And as a younger person, like before in TIL, right? Today I learned before I figured this out, I always just assumed he was having some human crisis and it was showing his weakness as a, as a mortal man and being the son of man and all of that. Right. Until I fell across, came across Psalms 22 and it blew my head off. Right. So for anybody that's not familiar with Psalms 22, cause I wasn't, I'm going to jump through this. Right, so it's it's a it's a relatively long psalm. It's thirty one verses, um, but the first verse is, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" And then he runs. And then he there's some a lot of words, and I'm kind of skipping, but then he jumps down to verse twelve, where it says, "Many bulls encompass me; strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a raving and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax; it is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up. My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs encompass me. Um, they've pierced my hands and feet." I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my gar garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Like that's freaking crazy. That was a thousand years before the birth of Christ. And like, it, I don't know how much more literal of a prophecy one could have to like lay that across, you know, the moments leading up to the crucifixion and the crucifixion itself. And like, I, 
Like I, you couldn't convince me at gunpoint that that wasn't Jesus saying, Hey, dickheads that don't believe me. Look at Psalms 22. Cause this is what just happened. It was prophesized. And here I am living it out like that. You can't tell me that's not what was happening there. I got kind of a different view. Okay. Like I, I, I agree 100% that that was the fulfillment of the prophecy. Um, I don't know that it was Jesus explicitly saying this is a fulfillment of that prophecy. Like there's a, there's a lot, it's, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's, it's, it's one of those phrases that kind of entered the broader culture like sure. outside of its context. Sure. And if like, that was all that was it, there, I would agree with you. Well, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing again. I want to, I want to, emphasize i agree that it's a fulfillment of that prophecy a, a parallel example would be of what i'm talking about would be when stephen um when stephen was stoned to death and he he saw he looked up and he saw the he said he saw the the jesus sitting at the right hand of the father and he said lord jesus into your hands i commit my spirit and people people read that as uh oh see he was he was committing a spirit to jesus so he would go up to heaven mm -hmm. That was actually a phrase from the Psalm. I think it's Psalm 31. I'm not sure about that, but it's from the Psalms. If you read it in its context, it has nothing to do with dying and going and your spirit going anywhere. It's more, it's more of a general phrase of I'm committing my way to God. I'm entrusting my fate to God in a general sense. It has nothing to do with the afterlife, but it's it, it was kind of a like a common Jewish idiom to to voice their trust in God in any kind of circumstance um with having nothing to do with the afterlife likewise my my God my God why have you forsaken me it, it was kind of a similar thing where it it had entered the culture as as a uh, a general exclamation of despair and feeling abandoned by God it just so happened and so, Jesus could have been quoting it in that sense without necessarily explicitly saying this is a this is a fulfillment of that prophecy. Like, and I think that's the difference between I think you and I talked about this, where like was Jesus it could be argued that Jesus was acting this out because he knew it was a prophecy, or he was just this is what he felt in the moment and he drew from this common culture. Yeah, and I, as it, well, as I, it turns I, out, yeah, I don't I don't think he was acting it out, right? I think it was you know, I mean, it's hard, it's impossible to know if it was, you know, how much it's impossible to know how much Jesus was in the divine state versus the human state at this point in time. Right. Like, and that's a part of it is that he lived as yeah, a man. We, we can't, was the we son can't of read man and all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. But my thing is, is when you read these verses about, you know, uh, when he's I'm poured out like water, right? Like he had been, you know, the spear of Longinus had, you know, pierced him and he was bleeding out, right? My heart yeah. is like wax. My bones are out of joint because he was being crucified. He was, you know, being pulled and distended and all this kind of stuff. He's dehydrated. You can count my bones because he was, you know, you, when you're super dehydrated, your skin gets very thin. Yes. Yeah, Psalm, stuff, Psalm 22 right? describes crucifixion. 100%. Right. Like clinical detail. Absolutely. And this was... This was a few centuries before there was any recorded instance of a crucifixion. And, like the Persians and, invented yeah, it. Like all of that. But then later. the two the two big things that jump out beyond everything else is when he talks about the, uh, you know, the dog surrounding him. 
and he's, you know, he's referring to the, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and whatnot. Right. And he's calling them dogs because they allowed this to happen. But then the, the real censure, the clincher to what you just said, Brian, is like, this is a description of something that hadn't happened yet as far as crucifixion, but, yeah. but the nailing was not, that was highly atypical. That did, that was not the way Romans crucified. They just bound them and let them hang there. But they pierced him purposely to make this more severe. They pierced his side because they wanted him to die quick. They wanted this over with to, to get it over with so he didn't stay up there and cause a problem because they really wanted him to just die quietly. And to me, that's the part when it says you pierced my hands and my feet. Like that's the part that just is like it's a big freaking neon light. You know, I I'm in my brain, I'm conjuring the image of that 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 African internet kid that just He's like, yeah. <laughs> like what more? Well, do you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the uh, they have found uh, they they found one example of a of a uh, crucifixion victim. Um, like the, like there we know that there are probably tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people yeah. crucified in a history. Lot. <laughs> they were typically left on the cross or thrown on a, thrown on a mass grave. A lot of modern, uh, and we're kind of getting off from the the main topic here but uh I, like i sorry Corey. I just, we'll get back yeah we'll get back to it but uh but you're welcome for psalm it. for psalm 82 22 Corey. like take a yeah. look you'll love it in fact, read it right now push pause read it right everybody um, listening hit pause go look it up and read it yourself pick it in your you know your uh translation of choice i recommend so it in the 19 in the 1960s i mean my my point is they they did you know people to crosses that, that was that was pretty the common the common practice um, and we do have, uh, in the 1960s, there was an ossuary discovered in Jerusalem dated to first century, to the first century. It had the bones of, uh, Johannan ben Hagakal. Um, it was, it had the, it had the bones of two people in it. One was a, a grown man who had been crucified and then a child who was probably like a four years old and it was it was inscribed with the names uh Johannanen and Johannanen ben Hagakal um meaning Johannanen and then Johannanen the son of the crucified one meaning like this is like this is the guy who was crucified is named Johannanen and then he had a son who was named after him who was the son of this guy who was crucified um and he and they he still had the nail stuck in his heel bone and it was, and what's interesting is uh, you hear scholars like uh, John Dominic Crossan and among others who will argue that uh, the, the empty tomb was not historical because it's known that the, uh, the, the Romans didn't allow uh, honorable burials for crucifixion victims. The point, the point of the punishment was humiliation. Right. And so denying them proper burial would have involved leaving them on the cross to be eaten by eaten by vultures or thrown into a mass so grave. Just having this other example blows that that uh, that, that right. objection right out of the water. Well, first of all, you have Josephus who, during the siege of Jerusalem, he talks about how uh, he makes he he explicitly says that uh, commonly the the Romans would allow them to to bury them before sunset. Because because uh, of the law in Deuteronomy about uh, curses anyone who's left to hang on a tree, so it's the 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 law of Moses says you have to take them down, 
And the Romans kind of, they, it was their custom to throw people, to throw crucifixion victims into a mass grave or to leave them up. But they also made concessions to local culture. And this was one of them. But also, as, as Dre was pointing out, here you have an, like the sole example of a crucifixion victim discovered by archaeology was found in Jerusalem in the first century in a rock-hewn tomb such as such as Jesus was buried in. So scholars who say that, uh, well, that's not historical because that just we know that we know for a fact that didn't happen. Um, well, yeah, exactly. It's it's almost like God preserved that one specimen to say, oh yeah, it did happen. Yeah, right. Um, That's cool. Yeah, and but, I took us uh, way off, I took us way off topic. So sorry, but I I just I had to bring that up, and I wasn't sure we'd fit it back in later in the show. Yeah. But, so you were saying, uh, I'm tempted uh, to to do more info dumping on Psalm 22, but I'll I'm resisting the urge. I mean, we could we'll, we maybe, maybe maybe we'll have a whole Psalm 22 episode. But it'll take like three minutes. I'll just I'll just get it out here. Because it's important, it, it's important to understand this prophecy. Because in the in the Masoret, the, the Masoretic text, which is the standard Jewish version of of the Hebrew text, the that that verse that says they are at, they they have pierced my hands and my feet, mm-hmm. and in the Masoretic text it reads they are at my hands and my feet like the lion. And so Jews are like, aha, which, see. So so which translation would fit Masoretic translation? uh anything by the jewish publication society but no, mostly that's not what i asked never mind it's fine go on well but you'll find that as a footnote in most modern bibles that'll say the the masoretic text reads it this way while the septuagint the greek translation has there at my hands and my that has they have pierced my hands and my feet they say well that's a that's that's a an erroneous translation so is that or is it a jewish retcon well considering the fact that the the masoretic text was is the early medieval translation by oh so way right. out and 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 of course by at by the time the jews as a rule rejected jesus as the messiah and the masoretic right. text had all kinds like the original hebrew didn't have vowels they didn't have punctuation marks all of that was invented in the masoretic text and so like we all know the difference that uh, like a semicolon or a or a comma can make to, to a sentence meaning mm-hmm. um let's eat grandma as opposed to let's eat grandma um that's the difference that a lot of the the meaning in in the Masoretic text has with the addition of punctuation. Like if you read Daniel nine as an example, in the Septuagint versus the Masoretic, they say totally different things. And in the Masoretic, it's pretty much nonsensical. But the the, the thinking was for the longest time that the Masoretic is the original Hebrew and the Septuagint is a is a translation into Greek. So they tend to scholars and academics tended to side with the Masoretic over the Septuagint um, until the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. And the, and the Dead Sea Scrolls versions of the Psalm 22 has it as they pierced my hands and my feet. Right. Which, which goes back to my point. It was a retcon. <laughs> yeah. But even, but even without that though, like just if you examine their argument, like what, what would lions Due to hands and feet, are they known for their 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 gentle mani pedis that they give? Right. 
or do they have sharp teeth and fangs that you know gore and pierce flesh so it's it's kind of a stupid argument anyway but then the uh it went when those lions just ate the the, the limbs and off. feet what? right when, they, when they, go, they go, the go straight for like the meat yeah. right the, the heart and the the the, the midsection yeah, but even if they were at somebody's hands and feet, they probably, I mean, they would pierce them. So it's kind of a silly, <laughs> silly argument. But yeah, with that, uh, I'm ready to move on from that tangent if you guys are. Um, yeah, you just you just reinforced my my theory, so I'm good. Yeah. Um, so the kingdom of God, like his teaching, well, well, first of all, John the Baptist came preaching the same thing that the, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent, believe the good news. Um, but then, you know, Jesus was, he would baptize Jesus. Uh, Jesus led in the wilderness came back. And then the first thing Jesus is teaching is repent, believe, believe the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. Um, there's really not, we don't really need to look very far to understand what that means. The kingdom of God was this 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 was a concept that was already pretty well established and developed in Jewish thought. We kind of miss it a lot because we read the Bible with this. Uh, well, first off, if you if you read the Gospels with any any real attention, this this idea that the kingdom of heaven means going to heaven is it's impossible to maintain because. Uh, like I said, like in just to kind of unpackage that, um, Matthew is is arranged around these five discourses. The first being uh, the Sermon on the Mount. The second being uh, Matthew ten through. Hold on, let me look at my notes. Matthew ten through twelve, which is the which is when he commissions the apostles, sends them out two by two, and he kind of talks to them about. He he explicitly says, "Don't don't go to the Gentile. Only go to the only go to the lost tribes of Israel." Um, and he warns them about persecution. That he's basically, you know, just be ready for a struggle. Um, if people don't listen to you, then shake the dust from your feet and go. If anyone is is worthy, stay there. Um, and it's basically all about uh, the Son of Man. The kingdom of is at hand. Um, and this is demonstrated by their authority over sickness, uh, death, and demons. They're they're healing the sick, they're raising the dead, they're driving out demons, um, and this is basically about the re the restoration of Judaism among Jews, because um, Jesus was it, it had been kind of uh, perverted by the religious leaders, and then the the next discourse, which I think it, which is and by the way, it's this was a. I recommend this to anybody to just go through and, and read, read Matthew, like one discourse at a time and kind of just, you know, ask yourself, like, what is he, what is he teaching here? What is this about? And it, and it's, and it's all arranged pretty well. Like he'll give a discourse, but then it, it doesn't, the disc, the arrangement of that discourse isn't limited to just what he says there. A lot of the, the, the material that comes after it is according to the same theme, like Matthew 13 through 17, that's the, he starts off with parables and he tells them that the secrets of the kingdom of God are given to you. The see in Matthew, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven are given to you, but to them, um, 
I speak in parables so that they may be ever seeing, never perceiving, ever hearing, never never understanding. So it's kind of encoded for his to the public, and then he explains it to the disciples later. And the what jumps out at me about that is that he's giving them the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And then you look at the content of what those parables were teaching. It's never about the afterlife. It's never about disembodied spirits going to another world. It's always about how God's kingdom spreads on earth. The parable of the sower, um, the parable of the uh, the mustard seed, um, the, the, the fruit on the, the vine and trim in the vine so it grows better fruit well that's in that's not in matthew that's that come that's in john 15 oh was it and and it's what's also in what also jumps out is that there are he tells parables in the middle like in the middle of, of matthew to that are meant to keep secrets this isn't meant for the general public this is meant for his disciples so he explains it later on in jerusalem which is a, a later discourse he tells parables that are meant to be a punch in the face. He meant they're not meant to be secret. They're meant to be explicit. And it says like the, the Pharisees and the scribes understood immediately that he was talking about them and they weren't happy about it. Um, but um, so the, uh, but the Matthew 13 through 17, I, I recommend reading all of that as a unit, but um and it, it's what's also interesting about that is that he includes one of the things that blinds them, which kind of speaks to our present issue, is in the middle of that he uh, he condemns the Pharisees for their uh, for their traditions. They, they the Pharisees and the scribes rebuked him. Why don't your Why don't your uh, disciples follow the traditions of the elders? And he says, Well, why do you set aside the word of God for your traditions? Uh, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. He said, "These people honor me with their lips, but their these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. It's not the actual word of God." And this kind of this blinded people to the to the truth of the kingdom of God. Um, and we kind of do that today. We we have we have our traditions that say it's it's about one thing. It's about going to heaven as a disembodied spirit. So we read it with this confirmation bias, and we miss what he's really talking about. Um, the kingdom of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. This is all. This is all pretty well established in the Old Testament. But even when we read the Old Testament, we miss this because we again we've got we're blinded by this confirmation bias. Um, but the the kingdom of heaven, it's all about the. And you can if you if you open the Psalms at, at, at random, you're you're very likely to find to. To come across some language that talks about this um they're always looking ahead to this time when yahweh when the god of israel will rule over the nations he's going to rule visibly on earth um he's he's going to the nations are going to come to him for guidance um he's he, when he comes he's going to settle accounts he's going to he's going to recompense the wicked and the righteous accordingly um the nations that oppress and, and persecute Israel are, are there's there's going to be this great reversal uh where the where the mighty and the the, the conquerors are going to be are going to get their comeuppance and they're going to be punished where and but the meek they they will be rewarded like Jesus did not coin that term that you actually find that in the Old Testament um you find that in the prophets but like I 
I would encourage people to just read the Psalms with that, like kind of read them on their own terms without, without imposing this idea about an afterlife. And, and like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. They're all about that. Like the whole, the whole Bible really is, is about eschatology. It's about this time in the future when God rules visibly on earth, the glory of God covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. Um, it's, it's going to be this time of, of, of paradise in which God's perp in which God restores and renews the earth. Death will be no more. Now there's a, there are, there are passages that speak of nations who don't obey him being punished. So there's still for a time, there'll still be sin in the world. There'll still be death. But in Isaiah, he talks about how, uh, the, the man who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. Um, nations will uh, beat their swords into plowshares, and there'll be there'll be peace and justice will reign. So, so, and this again, this idea is woven throughout the entire Old Testament. It gets, it's not quite as explicit in the Torah, although it it is mentioned um, in as early as Genesis when Jacob blesses blesses his son, and he talks about Judah, the the. The ruler who will come from Judah and, and the obedience of the nations is his. Um, you have stuff like that, but it gets more and more explicit as time goes on. So by the time the Old Testament ends, they they have a they have this fixed idea, this this really well developed idea of when the Son of Man is going to rule on his throne. So fast forward to the Gospels when Jesus is talking about the Son of Man and the kingdom of the kingdom of heaven is near. He isn't saying. I'm I'm the guy. Um, he's just saying this time is at hand. The time is fulfilled. He kind of lays out all these all these breadcrumbs so that people can can figure out that it's him. Right. But he doesn't he doesn't outright say it until later. And in fact, like when uh, when John the Baptist comes in, uh, and what John the Baptist is in prison, and so he's kind of you know despairing. And so he sends a couple of disciples to Jesus to ask him, are, are you the one who is to come or should we expect another? Jesus doesn't just say, yeah, I'm the Messiah. Tell him, tell him it's all good. He, he, it says at that time, he, he heals people and he drives out demons and he gives sight, he gives sight to blind men. And, and he, and he tells the disciples, go back to John and tell him what you see and hear. The blind receive sight that the lame walk. Uh, the dead are raised, good news is preached to the poor, blessed is he who does not fall away on account of me. Um, so he doesn't answer directly. He just says, read the evidence. And in Mark's gospel, when you, when you read it with this view to like, what is Jesus, what is Jesus teaching? Like you don't, you don't get a lot of content. You just, it, it reports that he taught the, the crowds, but it doesn't tell you the content. It doesn't very often tell you the content of what he taught, but it says what he did. And the point of this is to demonstrate his authority over disease and death and demons. So the irony is, at one point, the the the, uh, the 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 religious leaders ask him, you know, are you, you know, you know, give us a sign to 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 show us that you're, you know, to show us if you're the Messiah or uh, to to prove your authority. After he's just been giving signs, that's when he tells them. Uh, no sign to be given except the sign of Jonah. Um, but um, so that's the concept we need to read the gospels with. And like, once you have that understanding, like he's telling them 
in hindsight, when you when you read everything he talks about, it it doesn't make a lot of sense if he's not the Messiah, but he's not outright saying that until the very end. Um, but he is telling them what you know what the kingdom of heaven will be like in terms of like the Sermon on the Mount, how you're going to behave, and it and um, you know you kind of get the basic ideas of the gospel as we understand it in terms of him dying for our sins and rising again so that he can give us a new nature and that kind of comes out uh as time goes on but he doesn't he doesn't explicitly teach that uh yeah he never i, I don't not, yeah there's not, not the a public. lot of direct conversation there for sure now so, when john sorry go ahead i was just gonna just you know interject a little bit so i mean he in, in keeping with what you're talking about that is I think it's easy to agree, and I don't know that, Dre, we didn't actually all kind of come to an agreement that we're all on the same page, but I think that's easy to to say is that if you take all of the things, all the red letters in, in the New Testament, right, um, you, some, you put it all together, and what is it about? It's about the kingdom. I think it's – there's an interesting question that I, I would – I don't know that I would insert into there, but I think it can be asked because you kept talking about the kingdom being at hand, it being nigh, it being near. There's there's a point where he says the kingdom is now, and then he talks about it being later. So it's kind of like there is a question of, you know, is the kingdom now or is it later? Is it coming or has it already happened? And I, and I, and I don't know that that's clear, by the way, um, because it, he, again, it's, you know, he 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 spoke in some parable type discussions even when he was asked directly about certain things right the only couple of times and just off, off the top of my head that jesus had an actual literal direct non parable response was when they said you know what's the most important thing what's your last order your what's what's your standing order jesus right and he said, love each other. You love yourself. What do you say? Love each other as you I love yourself you. and love God, you know. Well, that, he that, says that uh, was like the only time that he just had like an absolute just like, hey, Jesus, what's two plus two? And he looked at him and he said four. Well, right? it's every other time that. he would he would answer in a, in a broad with a broad thing. And I'm not I'm not suggesting that it, there wasn't a clear answer in what he said, but it wasn't, you know, linear in the sense of when he answered with, you know, love your, love your neighbor as you love yourself and love God with all your heart. Well, that was just that these were elementary rabbinical questions. Like the, mm -hmm. the first one was the Shema, um, the, which is recited in every synagogue. Um, Hero Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God. All your heart, soul, mind, strength, when he was asked what the greatest commandment is, and then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, which is from Leviticus. And this was actually like a, like this wasn't, this wasn't unique to him. He wasn't, he wasn't saying that as if he came up with it. This was like a, like a, like a basic rabbinical question. And so he was essentially affirming. Two plus two equals four. Right. Yeah. Um, which, but what, what's most interesting to me to that is that he didn't think that was beneath him. 
to, to answer a simple question, like to answer a simple question. Yeah. Like it, it, he, he answered it emphatically and passionately to, with, to, you know, to fully affirm it. Um, but, um, uh Oh, what happened to Dre? You still with us, Dre? Uh oh. Hey, you're back. Yeah, keep going. You cut out. Keep chilling. So we don't know. <laughs> we we know what happened. Um, but to Matt's to Matt's uh, observation, I don't. I, I disagree with that. I think he was the 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 fourth discourse, Matthew eighteen through twenty, um, which has been called the discourse of the church. Essentially, it's that the church, like the people who follow him, are the kingdom of God. Wherever God is obeyed, there is God's kingdom. Um, and uh, this kind of, you know, this plays in the, the DCW. Um, when he, you know, after he uh, rose from the dead, before he ascended, he told his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Um, so the, the point of that, especially after the, the fifth discourse, which it, it, it's the... It's called the Olivet Discourse, but in Matthew, it starts with Matthew 23, where he he talks about the woe the seven woes to the uh, to the Jewish religious leaders, and he calls them out on their hypocrisy. And the whole point of it is not we typically read that as being about the end times, but it's it. I think that's because we we kind of miss that the first we miss what the kingdom of heaven actually means. Like the whole thing is about the end times, um, about this time of of future fulfillment when God rules visibly on earth through the Messiah. But the point of this discourse is to emphasize that the, the kingdom of heaven has been taken from you, the Jews, and given to a people who will bear its fruit. And that's what that's about. It's about the fall of Jerusalem as God, as, as the Gentile church becomes God's vehicle for advancing the kingdom. So, and, and I always tell people uh, regarding eschatology, um, the, 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 three, the three main views are premillennialism, which has it that Jesus, which has it that Jesus is going to return before the so-called millennial kingdom when he rules on earth for a thousand years. Then there's post-millennialism, which has it that he's going to return after this thousand-year period of, uh, of of this kind of Christian golden age where Christianity holds sway and the church the church rules, and it's this this uh, period of uh, worldwide. Uh, justice and peace accomplished by the church and the the third is amillennialism which has it that there is no millennial reign that's just the church age that's typically the view by the by by roman catholics amillennialism they regard the roman catholic church as as that millennial kingdom that you find in so that and that's you know it's one of those that's another bundle of confirmation bias that people bring to the bible um because of because of the because of the tradition, I always argue that your eschatology should be premillennial. Like we, 
because if you're not, you're basically saying Jesus isn't the Messiah because that's what the Messiah's role is, as is defined by the prophets. He is the, the king from the line of David who's going to rule visibly on earth. But your ecclesiology, your view of the church, should be post-millennial. Um, like you should be working as if the church is going to bring about that golden age. We know we're going to be opposed by the forces of darkness. And, and it, But if we're working we're we're going to achieve some success we're going to this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations if we work toward that and that will bring about the 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 second coming which is what we read in the olive discourse um but um so yeah it's the kingdom of heaven is here but it's it isn't it, it isn't in full Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, but he doesn't have the obedience of the nations yet. So he doesn't so, have the subjects of the of the four parts that I speak about. So right. he because has he has authority, he has a kingdom. They're there not, is the yeah, right. And the people who are supposed to have the laws has been given to them hasn't hasn't done that yet. And as soon as we do. Right. You know, which is, is which goes back to my point. I mean, Brian, it's funny because I made the statement I made about it's it's now and it's not. And you were like, well, that's not true. And then you talked in a big circle that literally said you agreed with what I said. That it is you now you, you didn't now. like my words. You don't yeah, like I, my yeah, words I would, I would because you don't like accepting the concept that it's not when it is. But by doing your whole ecclesiastical versus you know, eschatological, eschatological, like, I mean, that's basically saying the same thing, right? Like, it's it's not all here, even though it could be. We're, we're close. Well, we're further along than we were before Christ came, obviously, right? Because I think if, and let me, let me state this way, right? So you, let's stay with Dre's four points of light, right? We got four points of light. <laughs> that's a throwback that, to, <laughs> that's a throwback to throwback to old uh, Bush senior and Saturday night live, by the way, for those that are too young to know what the heck I'm talking about there. Wouldn't be um, prudent. Wouldn't go, be prudent. go look it up by the way. And you're welcome in, in advance. Um, but if we're going to use those four points of light, uh, the territory is what changed when Christ came back, right? Because if we go back to the, you know, so we're talking about, you know, uh, old, old, old Testament, you know, the fall, and then uh, you've got uh, the the flood, and then you've got the Tower of Babel, right? When the Tower of Babel happened, God essentially scattered his kingdom and he and he and he he isolate he 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 uh what's the word i'm looking for disinherited well he yeah disinherited is probably the right word i'm trying to think just in simple terms he he kind of just said i'm going to take this one state and the rest of the states i've heard used the united states he's like i'm going to pick texas because god we all know god loves texas and he said everybody Obviously. else everybody else is on their own i'm going to take texas and we're going to go do texas stuff we're going to go eat barbecue and shoot guns that's what you do in Texas. <laughs> yeah. there, that's there's a great there's God a great loves those things, right? And let me keep with my analogy real quick, just to, to kind of make sure we're all. Okay. And I'm trying to simplify this for everybody, the listeners and everybody, right? Well, there, so, there's three verses that sum it up pretty well in Deuteronomy. Okay, let me. Well, then you can analogy, say it after dude. Matt's analogy. Oh, okay, analogies help to... people to understand complex subjects and simplify them. Like so the Tower of Babel happened. God took Texas because God blessed Texas. And then he, and he scattered the rest of the states to the sons of God, right? <laughs> then somewhere between Psalms 82 and the birth of Christ, 
Christ came to reclaim the kingdom of God. So Christ came to, in this analogy, to, to reunify the United States and said, hey, we're getting the band back together. Everybody now is under the same rule and leadership. As soon as you idiots reinstate the Constitution and start doing all the things you're supposed to do, fucking California. Then we're back. Then we're back under the, the the old banner, which is the new banner. And so, to again, keeping with Dre's point, the king never left. The king was always the king. You can't unking the king, right? But the territory was scattered, disinherited, you know, pro properly stated. But now we're waiting. Not we. He is waiting for us. To get our collective shit together and 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 act as if and behave and believe that we're under the rule of the king so that then we can make America great again. So I just I mean that that's I think that's a gorgeous analogy. And I somehow blended MAGA with Texas and barbecue and Psalms 82. And I dare anybody else to do that. You you forgot guns. Did you bring up guns? No, I, I said we were shooting guns. Oh, yeah, 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 okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. It is complete as long as there's guns. Huh. <laughs> so what are the three things in Deuteronomy that sums it up really nice? Oh, Deuteronomy 32. This is mm -hmm. uh this is a uh, one of Heiser's go-to. This is uh this is the song of Moses. Hold on. And by the way, while you're looking it up, Heiser agrees with me that uh Psalms 22 is a direct uh description of Christ and the bulls of Bashan are demons. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty uh yeah, I agree. I would um, say the Heiser smiled, but he's fucking dead. So, and Heiser never smiles anyway, right? I think I caught him smiling. He's always super time. chill. He's always yeah, just so was, low key. Uh, he's always just like, hey, you know. So Deuteronomy thirty-two seven through nine. Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father, and he will tell you. Your elders, and they will explain to you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance. When he divided all mankind, he set up boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. For Yahweh's portion is his people, Jacob his allotted inheritance. Now, the, the Masoretic text says... A.K.A. Texas. Uh, yeah, the Masoretic text says according to the number of the sons of Israel. Right. And that's whereas right. the Septuagint and the Dead Sea Scrolls say according to the number of the sons of God, which, yeah, he basically... He put the other nations under the rule of the divine council, um, each with a apparently each with their a son of God ruling as a as a watcher over over them. And you kind of read about that in Daniel four, kind of the what the watchers did, and you kind of see glimpses of that in Daniel seven, where it talks about how uh, seats uh, thrones were seated and books were open and. Um, as these four beasts rise and fall. Um, but yeah, so you that's that's the picture of of the world and Israel is God's special nation through whom he's going to to, to recover his role. but the the fall um, in Genesis 3, God had given essentially the title deed to the earth to to mankind. In the fall, it was it was surrendered to the serpent and uh um and then eventually to the uh the divine council at the tower of babel um so it had to be a human who got it back it had to be the messiah but no human could do it which is why god had to become man it's like i'll order. do it myself 
kind of. I mean, yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, he tried with all those kings in a row, right? And they all sucked. Right. You know, every they, every one, you know one after another sucked. He's like, ah. Didn't I, didn't I tell you not to suck? And then you, and what do you do? Which reminds me, like, it, so do all these all these sons of God, all these all these watchers, are they are they all just dicks? Was there a couple of nations that was okay? Like, were they all terrible in their in their <laughs> rule of the? America's Watcher was pretty cool. Are you sure? That's my question. Are you sure? I, I, I was kidding because it was clear. Right, it, was, it, it would have been, the, was native, very it would have been the native. It would have been the native watcher. Yeah, right? I was kind of wondering. Like, yeah, they didn't. They weren't. Uh... They were. They were eating children's hearts. I believe. So, sh <laughs> shout out Aztecs. Right? But how many? Out but how many were there though? Like, did America? Did the? Did all of the Americas have one watcher in charge of them, or, or was it by or, tribe? Right. Or, 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 we, right. We're, we're not really clear on the uh, the the. The, the geographical those, limitations those of the watcher, damn, those damn Lamanites over there. <laughs> but it, it's it is interesting to watch to like to read about, uh, uh, you know, a Mesoamerican pyramid is pretty much it, it's it's pretty comparable in in form and function to a ziggurat. Bruh. Like they were they worshiping are stinking the really ways. close. The yeah. one at at at, at, at Tahacha however you pronounce that, right? Sure. That one and and the the pyramid of Giza are like almost identical in shape and in, in size, right? As and far as Giza? height, Giza and the and the and the Tetrawachitan. Well, Giza wasn't a ziggurat though; it wasn't a temple. I, I know it wasn't a ziggurat; it's a pyramid. I'm saying their their dimensions are really similar, and I remember reading something uh, a while back that they were built within like a hundred years of each other or two hundred years of each other, roughly. Brian, are you saying there's ziggurats in, in in the Western Hemisphere? No, I'm saying that the the Mesoamerican pyramids. Um, I mean, if you look at a Mesoamerican pyramid, they are ziggurats. Like, like next, like get a picture of that next to a picture of a ziggurat they're, they, like they are what what do you think is the difference they are ziggurats they're, they're well they're not they're not strictly speaking identical but they're similar enough they're they're basically these elevated um these elevated platforms used for worship which is what ziggurats were ziggurats were man-made like the tower of babel was a man-made they were conceived of as man-made sacred mountains Right, mountains were being were like, were if you, meeting I mean, points between heaven and earth. I, I, I'm confused. I'm confused was... where you're where you're getting this differentiation because anything I've ever read about the the <clears throat> the, the, the pyramids in Mexico, they are ziggurats. They're not pyramids. They're ziggurats. That's how they're described. Yeah, that's essentially what I'm saying. I'm just trying to avoid overstating it. Okay. Because someone okay. will object. They're not ziggurats. Look, there's. There's differences, and I, I would mean, say whoever would whoever would object, the like, we don't make up those words. Like if you if yeah. you Google the 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 it, it, the the one in in and I don't know how you pronounce that damn <laughs> word, Tio Wachahichi, however you pronounce it, like it's I mean anytime you Google it, it comes up as a ziggurat. Like that's what it says in all the books. Like I don't know why there would be any any hmm. reason to to feel otherwise about it. I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. Somebody, if, if, if somebody, guy. if somebody out there like thinks it's a massive difference, let us know. But I've always, every time I've read about the 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 the, the, the pyramids in the Americas, they always refer to them as ziggurats. Um, I feel like we should uh, 
there's so much more we could say about Jesus' teachings. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah. Um, like the Sermon on the Mount, I think is is widely misunderstood, but largely because I, I, I think that when you just doing a Google search on <clears throat> on Jesus' teachings, it's always interesting to me the order that stuff comes up in. Love your neighbor, do unto others, blessed peacemakers, love your enemies, forgive, right? Then you got, you know, love God, love your neighbor as yourself, forgive others who have wronged you. So it's always this central theme of love, which, cool. But I think it's always missing the kingdom of God part. It's always missing the big picture. It's like, like, he's, like, it's like he's telling there, you what there's a reason why have. you're supposed to do all this right. love stuff and all this, you know, this. I mean, otherwise you just be hippie Jesus, where it doesn't matter what you do, you accept everything, which is which is what our point was with the Jesus gets us ad campaign. Mm -hmm. But they yeah. they make it sound like all of that stuff is acceptable, and that and that you need to accept everyone for whatever that they do and not bring them to the actual truth. So you do accept people and their souls and all their all their all their baggage, but you still have to steer them to what is right. Yeah, like what does "do not judge" mean? I think that needs right. to be that well, needs to be unpackaged. Absolutely, um, but that but before, really does need real, to be real, real quick before we get to that though, right? So like, um, the love part, right? Mm -hmm. I think the love gets misunderstood because you know I love my kids. It doesn't mean I let him get away with anything. It's quite the opposite, you know? Right. Um, I, uh, I I had this saying with my son and uh, we, were we were at my dad's a couple of weeks ago and I, I mentioned it. As I was talking to my dad, Austin was in the same room and I said, you can ask him what, it, what, what the saying that the two of us have gone back and forth with since he was a teenager. Austin was probably 13, 14. And he said something and I responded to him and his response was very typical teenager. Hey, don't judge me. Right. And the first time he said it to me, I said, I will judge you. I will always judge you. I will judge you even more harshly because I'm your father and that's my job. Right. Like, I'm like, how, if you think I'm not going to judge you, you're out of your mind. Right. Um, it's not about being nasty. It's not about being, you know, judgmental for the sake of being judgmental. It's about, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? It's about, it's about if I'm not going to be the one to hold you accountable, who will, if I don't teach you what's appropriate and what's not, what am I even doing with my life as a father? Right. Is there such thing as discernment for crying right. out loud? Like right. if well, you, well, if I don't judge you, how the hell can I keep you on the path? Right. When and Jesus if, said, if I'm not, not, if I'm not judging the things that you're doing, when you step left or right, how do I bring you back to center? Well, with, without, so, without that discernment, without that judgment. Right. But, it, but, it, but it's, it's, it's a bigger picture, right? Because it's that whole using some of these other verses that like to get quoted, right? You know, am I my brother's keeper kind of thing, right? Like that, that same conversation that was going on fits right in with, you know, the concept of, of the, the whole judge not, because the trick with judge not is the sentences that come after he says judge not, right? It's not isolating a sentence and then quoting it and putting it in a, in a cool Metallica song because it sounds super, you know, metal. It's, it's the whole, it's the whole paragraph in totality of what it meant. Right. Like, because he says, yeah. 
he says, judge not lest, you know, uh, judgments will be more severe on you. But he, then he follows that up saying, you know, you, how, how are you going to point out a splinter in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye? And then he goes on to say, get the log out of your eye. Like it, it's pretty obviously implied that he's saying, get your shit in order so that you can judge and help your brothers get their shit in order. And if they do the same thing, if Andre's trying to get the log out of his eye, Matt's trying to get the log out of my eye and Brian's trying to get the log out of his eye so that we can all show each other when we're getting splinters in our eyes, the three of us are, you know, apes together strong <laughs> kind of thing, right? Like that's the point of, I mean, that's literally what he's saying. He was like, well, you got to judge someone to be pure so that you I can help. Have, I don't have the right Brian. to say whether or not you're going to, if you're going to get salvation, right? That's, that's, that's not my to judge. Mine's, mine's to judge like, Hey, you're 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 fucking up stop it to, to judge yeah, someone in in the in the biblical sense and in the, in the sense that he meant in jewish culture is to exercise authority over them like there's the book of judges is about leaders who rose up and exercised authority to say to organize israel to lead them against their enemies to save them but it was but a, a judge is an authority basically and he's basically he's telling people like you don't, you don't, you know, you know, it's important to point out he's, you know, he is a Jewish rabbi teaching Judaism to Jews. So he's, he's speaking to the, in this culture where the, the, the law was often weaponized by the, mm-hmm. by the teachers of the law, by the Pharisees, by the Sadducees. Um, and people would kind of weaponize it against each other. And the whole, the point of him saying that is is it, it's there to it's there to tell everybody what's right and wrong um it's there to be a guide for behavior and to show you your shortcomings because he 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 does set up what's really kind of an impossible standard he's speaking to people who thought they could be justified before god by law which they were missing the point but when he says when he says do not judge or you will be judged and the measure you you use will be measured to you he wasn't saying like oh you're supposed to call things that are sinful okay right and the irony right. is people right. people quote that today to mean that to you're do not, sinful you're not shit supposed to, yeah right. how dare you judge me like jesus said don't you're, judge me let me do what i want yeah you're you're not allowed <laughs> to call sin sin you're supposed to act like it's okay but if you're doing that you're actually violating the commandment Absolutely. like i don't have the authority to t- tell you that your sin is okay right. i have a responsibility to, to point out that hey that's that's sinful he takes that personally when you do that uh shouldn't do that mm-hmm. um i don't i can't stop you i don't get to put you in to lock you in a cage or or, or crucify punish me you or yeah, I don't. I don't get. I don't get to control your behavior, so I'm not your judge in that regard. Right. But I. I would be betraying that commandment if I said, "Yeah, the, I know the Bible says that what you're doing is is sinful, but take it from me, it's okay." Um, that. I mean, that would be me acting as judge. So, no. Um, in either way, either punishing right, or right, absolving right. puts you in place of the right, judge. Yeah, exactly. for sure. And that's that's why I always, you know, I mean, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I just like to jump to the next paragraph down, right, and talk about the speck in the log because it's pretty clear as you continue to read in that he doesn't mean for us to be passive and just let these bad behaviors continue. 
He intends us to hold each other accountable, but to do it in a brotherly way, not to your point, not in the manner of a judge. Right. It's like, yeah. yeah, don't don't sit around and pontificate and bang gavels and tell people what they can and can't do. Get your life in order and then help your brothers get their lives in order and hold each other accountable. Like it, it, to me, it's a super simple. But it's yeah. also a, the the the, op- the opposite of how it's it's it's, you know, wielded in I, modern I think pop Brian, culture. I've- I think Brian said it right. It's, it's weaponized. Yeah. So the law is, is still weaponized today. I mean, how many times has the Constitution of the United States been weaponized against people who believe in it? Right. Yeah. Or how many how many times has Tr- you Trump know, would Christ- say last week Christianity been thrown in the face of Christians, which I truly believe the entire Jesus gets us campaign is doing exactly that. Right. Like, I, I mean, how are you how are you going to? tell people that jesus doesn't hate well no shit i mean who who among us believes that jesus teaches hate i just think that's a silly message to put across and and to me that's saying that people that believe in jesus believe in hateful things therefore well it i i don't they're they're the one that's that's who the message is for is is not for the non-christian the the message is for the christian And, and i and to me that's that's a weird that's a weird preach among the choir thing. What's there's the old, a, uh, there's an old adage. What is it? Hate the sin, love the sinner. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, which, which is, don't judge me, Matt. No, no, it's, but, 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 no, it's, I know. It's, but it's, but it's, but it's, it's, it's a better no, way to take it. Right. Because yeah. to say, you know, Jesus doesn't hate, no, he doesn't hate people. I'm quite sure he hates the behavior, right? Like there's nothing, there's nothing unholy about hating bad behavior. Right, like I'm pretty sure I mean, Jesus hates pedophilia. I'm pretty sure he fashioned a whip. Right, like <laughs> like I, I, I'm pretty sure he's not chilling, going ah no, nah, don't judge them. He didn't just find a whip; he found material to make one. To face you know, what can I he make was a like, whip you know what? Hang, hang on a second. Around. Hang on a second. <laughs> you know what? He, my, my <laughs> he's checking the handle. He's like, or how they say, I, I, "I'm a sauce on you." <laughs> A little shout out to my Simone friends. <laughs> As we're talking about not judging, the the parable of the weeds comes to mind because I just read hmm. that along with everything else in the Gospels the past few days. But uh, he explained, you know, you guys know the parable. There's the the weeds sprung up among the among the wheat, and the mm-hmm. uh, explained it. The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and Again, to, to note, this is in the world, the weeds and the wheats are right next to each other. And this is, these are the people of the kingdom. So the kingdom is here. The kingdom is the church. But uh, anyway, the harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything everything that causes sin and all who do evil they will throw them into the blazing furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father whoever has, has ears to hear let him hear but the point is like all these people who think that god's not going to judge them that jesus jesus won't judge them that jesus is all about love and so you're not supposed to call sin out no, he had a lot to say about what's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you uh, if you're endorsing sin, if you're corrupting people, um, if you're going into public schools and teaching kids to uh, 
you know, how to do butt sex and uh, to, you know, think up new pronouns for themselves. And, and he had quite a lot to say about people who corrupt children. Um, I promise. Millstones, something like that? Around your neck? Yeah. Browning? Um, <laughs> thrown into the fire. And, uh, you know, there uh, it's a, a debate could be had about whether hell is a real eternal conscious not, yeah. torment or annihilation. But whatever it is, it's not... I just saw a video, by the way. Heiser was an annihilation guy. I think he, I think he left it open. I, I saw a video where he said he was an annihilation guy. Huh. And okay. I, I don't know. It was towards the end, and I don't know if like he had had other conversations or if yeah. he was just settling on something for the sake of settling on something. But I, I saw a video the other day where he mentioned that. Yeah, and Jesus had a lot to say about. I mean, it's. It's one of those things that we read with it with sort of a confirmation bias of uh, the afterlife as disembodied spirits. Um, you know, he he, you know, a lot of the translations, like in the Sermon on the Mount, talks about uh, you know being cast into hell. The actual Greek word is Gehenna, which is the Greek the Greek term for the Valley of Hinnom, which is an actual place in Jerusalem. Actually, I had an apartment there, so. Uh, can say that i slept i slept in hell essentially but uh hey i've been, I've been to 29 palms same same yeah the the picture he's painting is is you, of, you sleep outside in kuwait that too no wonder those people are so angry over there <laughs> so the picture he's painting is of jerusalem the holy city being the, the kingdom and people being shut out of it mm-hmm Hinnom Valley was had been defiled by uh, idol worship. There's a the the there's a commonly stated uh, there's a commonly made claim that it was a garbage dump, and that that's that's the imagery he was using. I haven't been able to find any actual ancient reference to that, but at, at the very least, it was a place where children had been sacrificed to Moloch, and so it it was uh, it had been. I think Josiah, the king of the king of Israel, the king of Judah, um, one of the few righteous ones, he had uh, he had defiled it so it couldn't be used for sacrifice anymore. But it was basically a place of cursing and um, where evil had been. It was it was a place associated with evil and being shut out of Jerusalem. But the symbology is Jerusalem's where you want to be. And if you don't behave, you're going to get right. stuck in the bad place where bad things have happened. You don't want to be there. Right. But it's also in keeping with uh, some of the language he uses elsewhere is of being, you know, you're going to see people come from the East and the West to take to, to uh, sit down to the, to feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but you yourself will be shut out and cast into the outer darkness. So there's, which, there's which imagery of, yeah, that jives with the whole concept of death, meaning being apart from God. Like the, the, the right. dinner's going on in there and you don't get to go. You don't get to be, you don't get to participate. Yeah. Right. And there, but there's also language in the prophets describing the time of the, the Messiah's rule on earth when there is, there are sinful people around. There is still, there is still death and, and sin and disobedience and suffering, but it's, it's greatly minimized. And, uh, you know, he, he, he directly punishes nations that refuse to, uh, to worship him. 
and to worship the father or and obey the laws that come out of Zion. But um, so it's not a it's not a clear cut thing. It's not like it's not like Jesus returns and everybody who doesn't belong to Jesus is automatically cast into hell. The people who are actively at war with who are actively, uh, you know, cutting off Christians heads and trying to destroy Jerusalem. Yeah, they get they get dealt with immediately, but it's, it's not. Isn't it, isn't it more subtle than that though? I mean, we, we talk about sin and willful sin and, uh, you know, basically the unpardonable sin is when you know better and you keep doing it. Not, and that's not in the same sense. I think, I think Paul mentions it in Romans, like, Hey, there's like a difference between willfully disobeying and having a moment of weakness. And even though you know better, you're not perfect. So you, you jack it up where if you know better and you willfully turn people away, you understand and you still do these things. So there, there's a, there's a difference between weakness and just willful disobedience so i i just read something the other day and i think it was heiser i don't remember where i read it at it would take me i don't know if i could find it but it was referring to the unpardonable sin and whatever i was reading was of the opinion that the unpardonable sin can't be committed anymore that it was time locked in the presence of jesus Hmm. and that the reason that it was unpardonable is because they were face to face with the truth and the word and they chose to disregard it. I, well, I think that the the thousand which I, year which, reign would would fall into that category, right? Where, I, where, I where I, Jesus I, comes back and maybe and, maybe then also. But the but the point was is that this specific perspective on on you know because it was it was well, one of those questions about like it's almost circular logic mm-hmm. if you know the sin against the Holy Spirit is unpardonable but you can sin regularly. Like what's the difference and this, that, and, and, and it was just that whole like conversation point. And this, this, this point of view was that that was it, it basically that the, that unpardonable sin was pointed at the Jews of the time of Christ because mm-hmm. they were in his presence. They could see what he did. It was incredibly apparent. Like people today were reading books that were written by people that wrote them by written by people written by people which is vastly different from seeing a man walk into your town raise the dead perform these acts of 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 divinity and miracles and then go nah i'm not buying yeah. that <laughs> you know which i i found to be an interesting perspective i don't i don't i didn't give it any more thought than that i just thought i'd throw that out since you just made your comment and and, and i brought it up because uh i think it goes along with what we're talking about and I also was curious about Brian's take on that Okay. Um, I, I kind of, I partially agree with Matt with, with strong reservations. I don't think it was time locked. Paul, I think I, there, there are a couple passages that kind of fit what you're talking about, Dre. Um, there, there are three, there are three different things in view here that I think need to be kind of discussed and, and kind of placed in relation to each other in Romans one, uh, Paul talks about how uh, you know the the great sin, which which he which Michael Heiser ties back to the Tower of Babel, um, is uh, what can be known about God is is plain from creation, His divine nature, and and uh, 
his uh, his qualities and attributes are clearly seen from what has been made so that men are without excuse. It's like God can can be known about by by observation and, and logical inference. And I, we've talked about this before, the cosmological argument, the teleological, the moral argument, the argument from consciousness. Um, there, are, there are others from, from classical apologetics. It's like that, like Plato and Aristotle reasoned out that God must exist. Um, there has to be a prime mover. Um, but because men didn't think that the knowledge of God was worthwhile to retain, he gave them over to their depravities and it like what's it in it it it's interesting about uh you know today we talk about things like homosexuality as you know the sin that god is especially angry about and he's going to punish you for as paul describes it the homosexuality is itself the punishment like because people don't regard god as worthwhile to retain he gives them over their, to their base desires and that that is the punishment. And we can kind of see in our culture how that's happening. It's not that God is punishing individual people by making them gay. It's that as a culture, because we've abandoned God's standards, because we've abandoned the ideas of objective morality and objective reality, and we, we treat everything as if it's socially constructed, because of the decline of Christianity, God has sort of given us over to the uh you know the, our our base sexual desires among other things um so there's so there's that but the uh the blasphemy against the spirit is sort of of the same character as that but it's it, it it's much more deliberate and extreme it's not so much god passively giving you over to your own devices as matt explained this comes up in the context of Specifically, Jesus mentions this when he, he's he's doing all kinds of miracles and and basically demonstrating before their eyes his authority over disease and death and demons and the the forces of darkness, and then the the religious rulers say, well, it's it's only by Satan that you're driving out Satan, and he and he rebukes them. Well, you know, if Satan drives out Satan, then his by whom do your people drive them out? Um, cause they had exorcists who were able to drive out demons. Um, but it was typically by, uh, you know, these, these, these were really involved rituals and incantations and invoking, uh, invoking God and, and, and prayer and fasting where Jesus could just tell the demon, Hey, get lost. And they would get lost. Like it was quite obvious. Obviously, like he he quite obviously had an authority over demons, but even their exorcists who were successful didn't have. So his point was like, you you know that's not true. You you know full well that I'm not driving out Satan by Satan. You just don't want to admit what's right before your eyes. You're 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 willfully rejecting the truth that's right in front of you because you you prefer you prefer your version of God. You're really just worshiping yourself. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to add to or paraphrase too much. But the point is, they had this irrefutable, incontrovertible proof before them that Jesus had the authority. That Jesus was acting on God's authority. They should have realized that he was the Messiah, even though he wasn't saying that directly just yet. But he was giving them all the evidence. But it just it was so. 
it, it it was so far outside of their prejudices and preconceptions and the identities that they had invested in their social status that came from being religious authorities they didn't want to give that up or admit they were wrong so it's easier just to write them off as satan so that's that was the unpardonable sin i don't think that's time locked though i think that you can i mean i've you know i've been having apologetics debates with people for 30 years um I, i'll tell you there's there have been more times than i can count i've i've laid out the evidence and i and you know my favorite thing is when i'm like in a bar or a coffee shop or something and i'll be with christians and we'll be talking about christian things and somebody at the next bar or maybe like a friend that somebody brought will overhear it and they'll kind of they'll kind of ridicule christianity um to which I respond, which is my absolute favorite thing that ever happens, because then I respond, well, as a Christian, I'm pretty sure I have better reasons for believing what I do than you do for whatever you believe that makes you mock it. And then they're, oh, okay, well, this should be good. And so then ideally, they're very, they're boisterous about this. They, they you know, people overhear them, they make a scene ridiculing what I just said. So that now they have an audience. So now they have to sit through the, they have to sit through the discussion. Often I make the case, I make the case for the resurrection, um, present the evidence, reason it out. Um, sometimes they they'll say, "Oh, you know, wow, I never I never heard all that before," I'm, and they're they're truly astonished that there's actually is really good evidence for Jesus rising from the dead, for God's existence, for the truth of Christianity. Um, Others will say something to to rebut it that's so absurd that they're embarrassed to say it, and then it's just a matter of lampooning them for doing it. But others will say, "Fine, it's true, but I, but but I don't I don't want your Jesus. I won't worship your God." Um, if they stay there. If that's if that's the position they stay in, I would I would say that's the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. If had the proof given to them, they have willfully rejected it, and at that point, it's just it's between them and God, and well, they're I mean choosing to reject God. I, I don't know that this is an argument worth having, but two thoughts: one, if they stay there, then it's irrelevant if it's if it's the if it's an unpardonable sin or not. Because they've never seeked to know God. They've never, they've never, you know, gone through the regeneration of being saved and being born again. So it, it, what does that have to do with the unpardonable sin? Because it doesn't matter if it's unpardonable or not. They're, they're, they're not saved. Like the concept of an unpardonable sin is that you commit this and then you can't go back and ask forgiveness for it and repent. This person's never, because you said if they stay there, meaning, you had this one-off experience in a in a in a in a public sp space. They were given really good, strong. It wasn't a one-off. It was a it's a pretty. But, but, but even thing. even even still, it's I still think that they they make those statements out of ignorance, which is. But look at the look at the context where Jesus. But look at the context in which Jesus talked about the 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 blasphemy against the Spirit, which is the only unpardonable sin. Like it was it was people who saw irrefutable proof right that, irrefutable proof 
Yeah, but you, my, you my, can't. You, you're not giving is, him refutable. That's proof what I'm trying to say. Is that was my, the second like, point? I hadn't even got to the second. Even, their, even if they kind of believe it, or maybe it's a compelling mouths. case. But even still, like I don't. People like, like lots of that's, shit. Like that. Like, so, so I'm, I'm I'm saying this with a smile on my face, with good goodwill in my heart, bro. Your apologetics is not that good. To, to put well, yourself to put yourself in the same stance as what Christ was actually doing in the well, person. No, it's, it, it's not. I'm not doing that at all. The 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 it has nothing to do with my apologetics. The case it it you don't have to sell it. I mean, he's already done the work for us. The, I, the proof I know, is there. But but, but you're suggesting but that's not then proof that to these people. You, that's what I'm trying to say. You're yeah, suggesting you're, that anybody you're that, ignoring what they said. No, you're they, suggesting they that anybody. Said, Okay, take me out of the equation. Say it's say it's anybody sure, else. It's anybody, but the even person, it's but the person listening says, "Yeah, fine, it's true. It is. I can't refute it. I don't have. I don't have an argument against it." That just means I they waved a flag you because you could out argue them. Right. That doesn't no, mean they that's, genuinely that's, believe. That's it. exactly what that means. Uh, that that's not what that means. Like you, you um, I'm telling you, like uh, but you know, take you take know that you made equation. such a compelling argument. The, the 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 argument is so compelling. They're like, yes, I know in my heart that all of that is absolutely true, but I refuse to worship that God. Yeah, I don't. You're believe telling you. me that's what I don't believe saying. that happens. That's, I don't believe that happens. I don't believe to that a single either. human being, because I believe if they I actually it. believed it, they would then believe it and they would follow it. Like that's I the whole that's, point. I think that's terribly naive. It, it's not that's a matter it. of just believing it. I mean, it's not. Faith is not a matter of just believing a set of propositions it's a matter of do you trust him it's the same thing no it's not i mean if you i mean there there are innumerable examples in the bible where people they they know god exists like the one of the prime examples is the israelites in the wilderness they they saw the plagues they saw god part the red sea they I, knew I god existed i agree I, okay. So, but that's different. This is going back to this is why the 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 the, the thing the that same, I had. How is it? It's the same thing. If you let me finish my point. I might be able to explain to you be, how it's different. Because Jesus died for those people too. No, hang on. So oh, no, yeah. back, this is back to it my is. point about it being time locked. In this era, where these overtly obvious miracles were occurring. For somebody to choose to dis to still continue to not follow and believe is different. Those types of overt physical miracles don't occur in today's world. And for anybody listening, I'm not saying miracles don't happen. I'm saying seas don't part. Dead people don't come back to life. There's not dudes walking into town, touching people and saying, hey, you're no longer paralyzed. Get up and walk like that stuff doesn't happen today. That 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 you're aware of. OK, fine. That I'm that I'm aware of, but that was why this it's point a big of distinction. View, it's sure. a big distinction, but that guy in the bar didn't see that, right? The guy in the bar didn't see. He heard he heard a person talking, and so that's. I think if you were there, different. I, I think I think if you were there and and you you saw how the arguments went, like how his beliefs changed through the course of the argument, and and this is often the case. It's there aren't really any good reason any good arguments against christianity or god's existence there really aren't they're 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 all based on misinformation just like paul said um the truth about god is plain so there so men are without excuse uh, 
it's not a matter of my my strength as an apologist. It's the, the you know the sign of Jonah, the, and that's one of the things Jesus taught. And when he said, "I am the light of the world," he said that in, in John. It was in the context of the the Feast of Booths, the 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 Feast of Tabernacles, when they they kind of they observed the the Jews' wilderness wanderings, when the pillar where God was there, visible in the pillar of fire and cloud, so that they could just look and see mm -hmm. God is there. There's no right. question of His existence. Right. The question that where their faith failed was that they didn't trust Him, and that's why they had to wander the wilderness for forty years. When Jesus I said, "I am the light of the world," in that context, He meant that I. I am to the world what that pillar of cloud was to our ancestors in the wilderness. And that, which is the same thing Paul was saying to the Athenians in Acts 17, when he said, uh, for God has said a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has, he has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. The, the evidence for the resurrection is, 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 is more than sufficient to prove that it's true beyond any, beyond any reasonable doubt but people don't want it to be true and that's that's the point that's that's the uh and you know right regardless no, of whether it's me making the I, argument I, or not i, I, I case, think i think you're missing the point that i was trying to make so what i what i tried to say was i understand your point i don't think you I, do. I, 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 I i don't think so either otherwise you would agree right because what when you said you made the comment if they stay there Right. So like you have this conversation, you can see physically this guy's kind of like, hmm. hmm. Oh, wow. OK. And then at the end, he goes, all right, I get it, but I'm still not buying it. That's no. either. Or what? Well, how is that? How is that different than the uh, the people who saw Jesus drive out demons, but they just didn't want to accept what it meant? Really? That That's really your question? Yeah, that's my question. Well, there's you, there's no difference between you and a bar explaining something and someone not having a good argument against it and watching somebody dive out a demon. You think that's the same argument? Yeah, miracles. It's are not, not Brian. Miracles not. are not the primary method that that God gives to prove His existence and that that to prove the gospel. It's the apostolic testimony to the resurrection. People don't not before not before testimony. the resurrection. It wasn't right. So, I mean, but that's, that's, I mean, that's the main thing that the apostles used. The apostles, that's not the main thing that Jesus used. It's not, to your point, it's not this fiery <laughs> pillar in the sky. So that's a pretty good. You're mistaking accepting a proposition with faith. I'm not mistaking anything. I'm telling you that you're wildly <clears throat> conflating a person having a really good logical argument with an actual no shit miracle. Those two it's things are not the same thing. It's an argument for a miracle. No, explaining a miracle is not the same thing as witnessing a miracle. I think I think you're putting too much stock in in, in the the power of witnessing miracles. Um I think you're because too you, much talk in describing a miracle. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. Um, yeah, because it's actually more special to have not seen and believed. Mm -hmm. It's actually a bigger deal to have not seen and believed. So say that again. Sure. And then tell but, me how it's the same thing. But if if you read about just like if you go and read like Jesus commissioning the apostles to go 
to go in with a great commission to go and bear witness. If, if you if you look at the the role that their testimony to the res, to the resurrection played in advancing the church and making people and 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 engendering faith and bringing people into the kingdom, Jesus himself thought that was the most powerful way to bring people into the kingdom. That's the way that that's that's the proof God gave to the world that He's going to judge the world with justice by the by the man He has appointed. Like the 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 apostolic testimony to the resurrection is the that's that pillar of fire by night. I don't I don't I I don't understand how you're deriving that from from anything else. He, I don't I don't I don't agree that he believed it was the most powerful way. He it is the way because it's what happened. That doesn't mean it's the most powerful way. He could have done it over and over again. That would actually right, be yeah. He could have just come down and told me himself. Like, that's or he could come down way. and get crucified over well, and over and over again and let people see it generation after generation. That would have been, and that's just that off the top of our head. I think if you read the first chapter of Acts, which we um, have, well, what like what did he tell them to do? What was the what was their mission as as he told them as what the to do, but he didn't say this is the most powerful way to do it. You're you're in, you're inventing a a a, a a a unit of measure. That's the primary method that agreed he gave to we the church. That. It's the primary people method, and it doesn't mean it's the most powerful method. It is the method. It's the most useful. It's what we have. Okay. I, all right. Well, I, I, I think you guys have. Uh, I don't. I don't think this is a, a useful thing to dwell on. We're kind of at an impasse. I, I, I think that you guys have a. I think you have a naive view of of the the power of, witnessing miracles. Um, and no. it's it's it's, but the point is the the point of the the unpardonable sin is having proof before you and and rejecting god yeah, anyway. we agree on that um what tell me tell me again what caused all of the apostles to be apostles what caused them to be apostles well the 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 qualification to be an apostle um after jesus ascended was having witnessed being a witness of well the job description was to be a witness to the resurrection no and then my mind caused them to be well, disciples. What caused them to be following Jesus around and be there to witness it? Oh yeah, sure. They they uh, it was it was miracles, sure, but it was also. But they also got forty days with a man after he woke up, right? But but lots of people also saw the miracles, but they didn't. They didn't follow because right, they didn't get direct teaching for four days. They didn't have the context, right? They, did, they, they didn't understand what they saw, which is what the apostles then had to go do was explain to everybody what they just saw and then use that con to continue. But dude, like you're, you're, you this whole thing about not believing miracles. I'm not suggesting that everybody believed a miracle just because they saw it. I agree with you on that because a lot of people saw it and they were like, I don't know what the hell that was, but I'm not buying it. But the most powerful, I don't know what the right word is, because those that were in the most most well positioned to teach were the ones that were the closest to the miracles. They were the apostles, right? But you still, like, even if there's even well, if there's evidence, we, you still we have to wouldn't even have Paul. We wouldn't even have Paul not for the miracle of Christ revealing Himself to him. 
I think if, like if you just if you sit down and read Mark, like just read it through in one sitting and ask like what is this teaching? What what you see happening is like Jesus Jesus demonstrates who he is without saying it. He shows them without telling them. These were public miracles. Lots of people saw the miracles, but the responses to them varied widely. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's the point of it. Like he, I agree he, with you. He, I agree that he, not everybody he, that saw the miracle bought into it. I've already said that. I'm simply saying that <laughs> if you're if if you're comparing two things side by, how many people have been told the good news and didn't believe it? Lots. Well, but what you're not talking about a difference in quality you're talking about a difference in quantity like it, it it's it's you know people can people witness the same miracle and some people some people saw that miracle and realized well this guy is a teacher who came from god i should listen to him right he might be the messiah other people saw it and their thinking was well today's the sabbath he's not supposed to do that today i'm the religious authority um, I better nip this in the bud. And so in that instance, yeah, you, you do have that, you have the, you have that varied response, the same kind of people today, if the people who saw the miracle and realized that he's, he might be the Messiah, they should listen to him. If you make the argument to that, to that person today for the resurrection, they will listen and respond in faith. If you make that, but the other people who, who decided it was a, a sin they needed to get, they needed to, to nip in the bud, they would hear that evidence and they would reject it. I mean, it's, it's not, you think the difference is whether they witness a miracle or not, but the, that's not what I said. No, no. I never no. said that. Well, then what are we, then what are we arguing about? You're saying it's time locked because because people don't get miracles anymore. So this whole conversation stemmed from the unpardonable sin. Yeah, and I'm not saying right. this is just this is just a theory that I'm running with because it made sense when I read it. I haven't, I haven't, I think I read this last week. So this isn't like some kind of like deep theology that I've created that I'm buying into. It was just a point of view. But as I'm starting to noodle it through, it makes a lot of sense because mm. having exposure to a thing and then rejecting it is very different than being told something and going, mm, I don't know if I get that or not. And then, but the other part is, and, and this is what I was trying to say way back when you were telling, you were using the analogy of this, this, uh, this public conversation, this, this bar conversation is you, you were trying to align it to, or, or say this could have been an unpardonable sin but you said if he stays there and all i was trying to say is if he doesn't stay there and it actually soaks in it's not unpardonable just because he said in the moment well but the I same thing applies. It, all that means is his heart hadn't fully softened yet right but the, the spirit but the holy the same spirit thing might have applies. started working on him in that moment right you did or the, the person who had the conversation with him did their part and presented the, the 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 reality of Christ and introduced this person to the Holy Spirit in a manner of speaking, and then that that process began to take hold, right? And it might take a day, it might take a week, it might take a month. At but some the point. same thing applies to the people Jesus said that to. Um, like the, you know, they they might 
you know, any given person that who said it's, it's by the, it, it's by Satan that you drive out Satan, that person might have I, come around. They might have, but they, so it's not like you have committed the unpardonable sin right now. So you're out, you're gone. So that's different then. So then that means the unpardonable sin is this like long-standing sin of yeah i of think so I, I think so too Which, and but, I think, but then that doesn't even make sense because then it's not unpardonable because it was pardonable because he had just hadn't gotten around to realizing he needed to not think that way and that was that was what i was trying to say a second ago because well actually 45 minutes ago because well, when you said even god the guy, waits till the man's life is over to judge him right but that's that's what i was trying to say is if this person was the first time they were exposed to this, to, to the real story of Christ was the moment that you spoke to him in the pub. And then he goes along and never fully accepts it. It's not unpardonable because he never attempted to be pardoned for it. That was what I was trying to say. It's, it's hmm. almost a, like a play on words. You have hmm. to say, my bad. I didn't mean to do that thing I did. And God then goes, no. That guy's not, he never got, he never came around to saying my bad, unless what we mean is it's unpardonable after death. And if that's well, what it means, then, then that, then, then, then lit, from a literary point of view, it means something different than how I've always interpreted the concept of an unpardonable sin. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, Jesus didn't cast them into hell in that very moment right. for, for doing that. Right. It was a warning, like, and, and I don't, and I think it's, you know, when you respond that way, you, people tend to harden their hearts and, and it keeps getting harder. Um, people dig their heels in, they and absolutely, that, yeah. And like, that's like, he's probably going to keep keeping contempt on Christianity and building more and more of his identity on being that, you know, that person who's too smart to listen to Christians and very possibly. And, uh, and it, it and it, the, the third thing that I, I, I think Dre might've been alluding to is, is in Hebrews where it talks about, um, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have shared in the, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, and seen the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance, because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Uh, the land that drinks and the drinks up the rain that falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whom who cultivate it receives the blessing of God, but land that produces thorns and thistles is in danger, is in danger of being cursed, is in danger of being burned, and the end it will be cursed, um, or the other way around, whatever. Um, but he goes on to say, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. And so that, you know, that's often kind of cast in the same, uh, the same idea of the unpardonable sin later on he talks about how those who willfully continue to sin after they have received a knowledge of the truth um no sacrifice for sins is left only a fearful expectation of judgment um that's kind of on the same it's on the same spectrum as that as the the blasphemy against the spirit um but in this case it's someone who has frankly once been saved like that's a pretty comprehensive, emphatic description of somebody who has received the Spirit. They have, they have, uh, 
they've shared in the spirit, they've been enlightened, they've tasted the word of God and seen the age, powers of the age to come. So they've witnessed about all these things, but they still found sin to be more appealing. Um, given that that's the case, there's no further appeal to be made. My man said, put me back in the matrix. I like the way this steak tastes. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a pretty good yeah. analogy. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what, I, should, I, what should scare the hell out of us um, as modern Christians, the thing that occasioned that warning was it starts in the previous chapter. Why the chapters are divided this way, I don't know. I It makes me mad at whoever did it, at whatever medieval monk came up with this. But um, he talk, he's he's talking about He's he's trying to explain to them about how Jesus fits the mold of the of the priesthood according to Melchizedek, um, this figure who appears in the Old Testament, and that uh, Abraham gave an offering to. He's the priest of God Most High. Um, says that we have much just we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you were slow to learn. Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Um, uh, solid food is for the mature, but milk is for infants. But uh, and so uh, basically, let's let's not let's not lay the let's not go through the basics again because you guys should have this down by now without me needing to explain it to you. So basic, so they were basically complacent. It wasn't that they were drawn into this this obvious uh, gross sin and immorality and idolatry. It's that they just didn't. Kind of like what Paul talked about in Romans 1, they didn't think the knowledge of God was worthwhile to retain. They were apathetic about the things of God, so they didn't regress. They just kind of stayed at this perpetual state of relearning and relearning the basics. And so it, it was hard to explain to them these higher concepts. And that's what it so that's what occasioned this warning against falling away. And I think that's where that, that's in Hebrews 10, right? So all that, all that warning was the chapter before Hebrews five and six is the part oh, right, I'm right. talking about. But okay. then in, in Hebrews 10, he picks it up again and he's, he's writing to people who were going back to, to, to Judaism and uh, not realizing that Jesus is the fulfillment of, and that this kind of circles back to the sermon on the Mount where he says, do not think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I'm not going to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law and the prophets until everything has been accomplished. In Hebrews, this is after it's been accomplished. So these things that they're returning to are no longer, they're obsolete now. You don't need to offer sacrifices at the temple because these are just a kind of a, a, a type and pattern foreshadowing the sacrifice. But um for our purposes, we have people who they don't, they just, they don't know what the Bible teaches. They don't, they read, you know, we have all this confirmation bias about going to heaven when we die instead of, instead of hell as going to heaven as disembodied spirits when we die with no concept of what the kingdom of heaven means. And a lot of people, they hear that and they just want to stay there. They don't want, they, they're so invested in what they thought it was about they refuse to learn what it's really about. So they're just sort of projecting this, you know, these man-made traditions on the text. Um, 
Sorry, go ahead. I'm just, I'm just saying that I think it's a it's a good idea that we uh will put in the in the uh, in the description the, the full discourses what what scriptures to read uh you know the, these follow up things that happen in Acts as well as Hebrews and in the teachings of Paul they kind of they kind of uh, emphasize all the things that that Jesus legitimately taught. I think one of the one of the things that kind of throws us off is that we we kind of do bring this pretext to the way that we talk about this, and when we bring that, we we cherry pick verses to just quote right. Anytime somebody has an argument, well, it says right here in Matthew chapter blah 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 that you know this, you know, like well, that's not the context of 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 what it is that that was going on during that discourse. You know, they, they'll, they'll wield, you know, single verses as a weapon to prove you wrong. When, when I think, you know, Brian, you, you'd mentioned earlier uh, while, while we started this, like, Hey, I, I read these discourses back to back in, in preps of talking about this. And, and when you have the, the context of, of the prophets, and then Jesus declaring, you know, you know, he, as he rides in on a donkey, and then has all these teachings, then, then that context all matters, and and we don't have to just pull out single verses to prove whatever uh, pretext that we thought, you know, just to, to prove ourselves right based on based on the single verse. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I might, I think, as a closing argument, as a not closing argument. <laughs> as a closing thought one of the things i would throw out is that you know we and we opened with this i think brian was one of the first things you said you talked about how people always quote jesus as being this you know peace love hippie kind of guy right that's, a, um, that, that's my biggest issue that, yeah <laughs> maybe yeah. it was you dre that said it but one when you guys said it um and then you know, I mentioned parental love and, you know, holding people accountable. And then Dre, you, you, you brought up the, the temple and the whip. Um, that whip was an example of, of the kind of love that Jesus also showed and talked about, right? Like just saying love doesn't mean whatever, dude, it's cool. Sometimes love says, how dare you do that? You'll never do that again. And I won't let you because I love you. There's something right. about violence the Marines like. Huh? <laughs> and, and if you look at how Jesus talked to his to his own disciples, like, like, like Die to a, yourself and that kind of the, that, those well, kinds of phrases. Well, like that whole uh, sequence of events at Caesarea Philippi where uh, they declare him to be the Messiah. And he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for this is not re revealed by man. So he's, you know, he's gushing with praise for Peter who is, you know, Simon, who will, he will be called Peter. Um, and then he tells him he's going to be crucified. And then see Peter, uh, never Lord, this will never happen to you. And then he says, get behind me, Satan. He's like, what did I just say? Yeah. <laughs> and then, just believe that's the Messiah. Now you're like, tell me I'm wrong, fool. And then he talks that's about the like price you. of being a disciple and some who are standing here. And this is another thing about uh, that. Th this is important to mention in the context of this kingdom of God talk. Where he tells the disciples, and I'm getting to the main point I was going to make about how rough he was with his disciples after this, but along the way, he tells them the cost of being the, his disciples, and then he says, "I tell you the truth, there were some who are standing here will not taste death." Before. Am I still here? Because my 
froze. Yeah, go ahead. You okay. froze for a second. My, okay. Did my voice freeze or do it? Nope. Should I? No. Okay. So, so there were some who were standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man come in this kingdom or before they see the, the kingdom of God come. And then in all three of the synoptics, it said about a week after that is the transfiguration when when Peter, James, and John were on the mountain, probably Mount, Mount Hermon, um, where uh, he sees him, they see him transfigured and God endorses him as his son. That's the fulfillment of that. That's, that's what the kingdom of God meant. Um, they were seeing the son of man come in his kingdom in that moment. Um, it's not, you know, it, and you hear this phrase from people a lot and I'm not, I'm not sure everybody has quite the same meaning when they say it, but it's, it's, you know, the kingdom of God is already, but not yet. Like the ultimate fulfillment is when he rules visibly on earth, but for those who, those of us who belong to him, whether, whether we see him now or not, he's still, he's still our King. He's still, we're, we're still in the kingdom of God and it because it's not about going to heaven right. when we, we are those subjects in this territory for right know, abiding by those laws with our king yeah it's not about getting into heaven it's about heaven getting into you and it's through us that the kingdom of god advances on earth it will it will finally be culminated when jesus physically returns and it's he's visible to the world but for those of us who follow him He's he's our king no less now than he will be then. Right. Um, so that's I think that's what the that's what that means that the transfiguration happened a week after he told them that. But then they come down from the mountain and they he finds the rest of the disciples are trying to drive a demon out of some kid and they can't do it. Um, and then he says to them, "You faithless, perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I be with you?" Um, <laughs> that's not a that's not easy going, mellow hippie right. Jesus. He's pissed. He's right. pissed at his disciples. But when you consider that, like, and he says stuff like that to them all the time. Mm -hmm. Like he's he's pretty he's pretty rough with them. But like, you gotta like, they have to know like how much he loves them that they they stick around for it. Like they're they're getting something out of this, and they know it. It's like he's justified in being that frustrated with them because they are wrong. And then another interesting thing is they ask him later, why couldn't we drive it out? Like they fully believe they should be able to drive it out. They, they had faith that they could drive it out mm -hmm. yet. They didn't have the faith to drive it out, which is a whole other discussion about what, what Jesus meant by faith and what they meant by faith. But that's, Maybe for a different podcast, but uh, um, I have a feeling that anybody listening who tuned in to tuned in like we're on TV, but who watched the podcast to find out what Jesus taught, they're probably they probably have a lot of questions and they're not fully satisfied. If they're satisfied at all, good. Ask them. So ask in the comments. We can. We'll just. We'll probably decide if we're going to follow up or not. Um, it might not be a bad idea to go through each of the five discourses individually. We could do that. Um, or maybe break yeah. out the other three gospels more, okay. more, more thoroughly. Yeah, we but stay, the, we stay with Matthew, stay where it matters. Well, 
Do I look Jewish to you? <laughs> no, we we probably could. I don't know if we want to do them like over the next five weeks, but we could definitely go through those, you know, individually. Yeah. Well, let, give them the attention they deserve. Let's see what kind of feedback we get, and then yeah. we'll let decide. us know if you want us to do that, or maybe maybe y'all are all good now. We're gonna give or, you like, already knows. Are you gonna do it like you just did that last thing? <laughs> if you do, I'm not here. <laughs> or you're tired of all this and just want more movie reviews. So uh oh, shit. Yeah, let us know because we can do that too. It's actually a lot easier to do movie reviews than it is to talk about serious topics. I don't know if y'all know that or not. I don't know if you try to do your own podcast. Right. David, this is it's hard work, guys. Move movies really reviews hard work. way easier. I took all of these notes. This is what I did this weekend while you guys were all having fun. And we and we probably didn't even let them get through all those notes because we I suck. Didn't. We're angry. Well, I it would have it probably wouldn't have been it would have been uh I mean there's more I could say, but it, that's when, okay. When that's the things when, I didn't get to, and that's that's okay. What's that? What, what's that, Matt? Nothing. I was gonna make a snide remark. Oh, very nice. Whose expense? Yours. Oh well that's, I, I swallowed it. That's boring. Yeah. Well, Happens all the time. Our uh, our number one fan of the show uh, happens to be my mother, and uh, I mean she might have to battle for that crown. I was gonna say that she want to fight. Just... Does she want to fight my dad? I mean we could put him in a, in a, a two be, man enter, fight. one man leave. That'd be a fun fight to watch. <laughs> so, but, uh, uh, she's it, Brian's actually growing on her. So you went from you know so she you you're winning you're winning someone over. Wait, I, I went from week. what I went from what to you were about to say I went from. From like, uh, I, I don't know. I had thoughts. They were scattered. I I might be misrepresenting her, but uh, as a quote, he drives me crazy. It's usually a good thing because you like talk too much or talk too highbrow on some things that she thinks are actually really simple. Which is funny because you say how simple they are, and she's like, "Well, why aren't you explaining it simple?" Because that's how I understand it. And she, anyway, she okay, likes you now. She, she thinks was... she thinks your humor is. I don't understand why she thinks you're funny, but uh, you you know I'm funny. <laughs> you've always thought i was funny oh boy you're jealous of how funny i am. I don't know why we're friends but <laughs> uh, all right well yes i do i know exactly i'll cry myself to in my heart i know since i don't want to sin against the spirit by lying then yeah i know why we're friends with brian <laughs> that was a that was an interesting callback and unexpected. You know, it's what it, it's what i do so if you're if you're still here Go ahead and hit the, the like button. I mean, you've, you've been here this long. Hit that like button. Subscribe if you're not. Share the show with your friends. Even if you think it's to like, these guys are stupid. Listen to them. We'll take it. And uh, any any parting shots, fellas? I feel like like I have an urge to correct the theology of your calling that this the, the sin against the spirit. But I know. That's why I made the comment. Just, I was like, wow. You're yeah, leave it kidding. there. You're just kidding. I was kidding. I was I kidding. <laughs> I saw the kidding. Just all all of my impulses are like, but that's wait okay. A not... Give him a quaalude. He'll love me again. Oh, oh by the way, yeah. So I have a closing thought. So I, I kept stumbling all over the the pronunciation of the, uh, the, the 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 ziggurat that isn't a ziggurat in in Mesoamerica. It's Tia Tiwakan is how it's pronounced. So my apologies. Oh, that one. Yeah. Oh, you know, if you would have just said it the right way, <laughs> I, we would know, know exactly. I know. My apologies to everybody Man. whose sensibilities I offended. I, I kept seeing the word in my head and I knew there was a way to pronounce it. And I'd looked it up before, but I, in my brain, it just kept coming out. Tika, chika, chika. And I couldn't, 
I couldn't Chidi, get Chidi, it. Chidi, bang, bang. I couldn't get it. Tiatiwakan. So my, my bad. Tiatiwakan. Any, any Mayans that are listening. I mean, the way you were pronouncing before, I mean, obviously comes from white colonizers. So, so you know, that's <laughs> that's the problem. Um, and I, you know, I'm a self-loathing black man. Um, or if I was going to colonize it, I would have called it Titicaca. <laughs> My I name's Paul. This is between y'all. Uh, uh, boy. So please, please stay curious, stay enlightened. And whether you like it or not, we'll be back next week. God bless. <laughs>